Hello and welcome to Right Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey. How are you? Hello. I'm very, very well. Um, I've grown a beard, especially for this podcast, and I'm very excited to be talking to you and our guest today. So a little in joke there about Renfrey's beard that happened before Which no Renfrey does get. actually <laughs> have a beard now. Yeah, but I liked it, so it's all good. Thanks. This is part of our second birthday week celebrations, a, a very, very special podcast, because as Renfrey said, we do have a guest in tow. Our guest is um, former editor-in-chief of Metal Hammer magazine and host of the original incarnation of the Metal Hammer podcast, Turned English Country Gentleman. <laughs> it's James Gill, a.k.a. Gill. Gill! Hi guys, thanks uh, thanks for having me on. Um, hopefully, I'll be really rusty after eight and a half years of not doing it, and and it'll be an utter waste of your time. So, <laughs> see how we go, eh? We'll find I out. I mean, that's what well, that's what I expect. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I live to disappoint. I, I mean, think that's I, I think that's what the listeners expect as well, isn't it? Certainly, yeah. the listeners. Everyone the wants old... to see people fail, don't they? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm hashtag, so good at it. There we go. Hashtag cancelled by the end of this. Um, <laughs> mate, I mean, uh, I know the meticulous preparation you used to do for the old Metal Hammer podcast back in the day. Um, so I'm pretty sure that you're being a little bit sort of, you're downplaying the effort that you would have put into this. Well, I want to make you one promise, um, and that is that I have listened to uh, all of the albums in their entirety, which is more than I can say for when I was doing reviews for the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doesn't uh, matter anymore. How many <laughs> albums? How many albums get brilliant after the fifth track? Uh, well, we'll be talking about that today, probably. Yeah, I think quite, we will, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so, for those of you who uh, who don't remember Gil, Gil left Hammer right at the start of the year 2012. You know, because of the Olympics, just wanted to get out of London for the Olympics, really, yeah, didn't you? That was the main sort of thing. Um, and I think it's fair to say that you haven't really paid much attention to the metal world since probably about three years before you left metal hammer really yeah yeah that's Um, actually correct uh, so (laughs) we thought it'd be quite a good experiment to get him on the show to see if we could wake him up from his sort of rock and roll coma and give him some of the biggest best and most influential albums um during his time away from the scene so on this very special show this week we are going to be getting gill's thoughts on Eight albums. Those albums are, in chronological order, The Satanist by Behemoth, Statues by Black Peaks, Devil is Fine by Zelenada, Meredite by Mirka, Carpenter Brutes Leather Teeth, Prequel by Ghost, Ammo by Bring Me The Horizon, and Underneath by Code Orange. Plus, we'll be talking about the various things that have happened in that time to see how shocking those things are to uh, to an outsider, to someone who's got, no, you're not metal, you're not metal anymore. Get over it. Although I'm wearing my lower than Atlantis T-shirt just to, uh, you know, dug that out the, the attic. <laughs> prove the point that you're yeah. not metal. Yeah. You've been like dry, drying dishes with that T-shirt for the last <laughs> eight years. <laughs> anyway, but before we before we start, before we start at the start, let's start at the end, the end of 2011, which doesn't really seem that long ago to me, to be honest. But it's actually the time difference between Nevermind by Nirvana and Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Now, that's basically a decade in difference. Um, but in this decade, uh, it's been Iron Maiden were massive at the start and Iron Maiden are massive now. And that's basically been it uh, when I think about the last decade. Um, but Gil, um, what do you remember about music from the sort of end time of your time at Hammer? Well, I have slightly cheated and I did literally go into the loft and get this copy of Hammer 
uh, which is from 2011. Uh, and it's right. the Defenders of the Faith, 50 Hearers of the New Metal Revolution. Oh, so right. to, to dust off my memory, um, I sort of... Um, actually, I haven't even looked at it. I just thought I'd, I'd bring it anyway show off. Um, but what I have... Uh, to answer that question, yes, Iron Maiden was still huge. Um, there was the sort of the gent thing. Do you all remember that? Mm, um, yes. That was kind yeah, of big. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, that was yeah. important. Um, yes. and, uh, and basically... Bring Me the Horizon. We were the whole of the metal world was still in denial that Bring Me the Horizon were basically the biggest metal band since Iron Maiden. You know, Bullet for My Valentine hadn't released a sensible album since the Poison, um, and no one liked the fact that that metal bands were wearing white T-shirts, apart from the odd Viking. Um, mm. And that's sort of really that's where I left it. Really, that um, you know the infinite fragmentation of scenes and subscenes and you know math, gent, prog. Viking, etc. Um, it was just sort of infinite fragmentation, and I like Lone Atlantis. And that was sort of <laughs> da, 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 you know. Anna, Anna, <laughs> Alexis on fire, as I recall. As a matter of fact, it was you who Massive. got me into Alexis. So thank you really? very much for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'll invoice the band for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Renfrey, what do you remember about 2011? I think Gil su- uh, summed it up pretty well there. Really. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. I've got a lot more to add. Yeah, Gent was definitely a big thing. I think that is definitely something that we will cover mm-hmm. somehow at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, maidens reign over everything. Yeah, I, I am curious to know because you are slash were a big Maiden fan. Is that right, Gil? I think that's fair yeah. to say. And, and have and you've not checked out any of their outputs in the last ten years, or have you? Or no not interested at all how what were your feelings towards maiden in 2011 um i was i was already avidly trying to forget um sort of the recent output i know that's a sort of a proper old stick in the mud but it's just that the first decade was was so stellar that i just didn't really need anything beyond that i never sort of having played somewhere in time seventh son go Do you know i just i might might stick benjamin Breeg on just because I want Iron Maiden, but with fewer melodies. <laughs> actually, quite amazingly, as someone who's got very little nice to say about Iron Maiden, I actually quite like that song. Um, it's good. It's quite. It's quite good. Um, so, at the, around the time, so going back to the kind of old um, issues of Hammer and blah blah blah, uh, the Hunter by Mastodon was the album of the year in both Kerrang and Metal Hammer, mm-hmm. um, closely followed by Machine Heads Unto the Locust in the Hammer list. Um, they were tipped to download headliners at that point, um, and they played Wembley with Bring Me the Horizon as support. If you remember that, I believe you actually were going to take me along to that gig, and I couldn't go for some reason, so I didn't go to that. I gig, remember it. Did you go? Yeah. Did you go to that Renfrey? I went to it in Manchester, yes. And mm. uh, the Mancunian Machine Head fans did not take well to bring me the horizon, it must be said. Which was sort of silly mm. because at that point in time, they were heavy as fuck. The bill was upside down, right? Undeniable. Well, debatably. At Wembley, mm. people were far more into bring me um, than the Machine Head. It, was, it just seemed to be upside down. That was, that was not the case in Manchester, I have to say. It was a very violent... Well, violent. Yeah, pretty violent crowd, to be honest. It was a violent um, reaction to bring me. Mm. People did not want to see them <laughs> in, in Manchester. When you said the bill was upside down, I thought you were thinking that Darkest Hour should have been headlining with, <laughs> with Devil Driver as main support. Yeah. I, was like, I think that would, don't think that would have Three worked. Three colours red. To be perfectly honest. 
<laughs> followed by <laughs> PE head P. God, you're going back way yeah. too far, I'm afraid there, mate. Even <laughs> even far. by 2011, Three Colours Red were not considered relevant in any way whatsoever. Although they are still great. Um, dubstep was a massive thing as well. Corn did the oh, Path yeah. of Totality yeah. record. That was a good that was record. Fantastic. I listened to that recently, that... actually. Again, I revisited it. It's, um, you know, I, I, it's, still, it's still fantastic, but then I'm 40. So disregard <laughs> that at your will. <laughs> um, so Download was headlined by Def Leppard. Uh, a reformed system of a down. Good. We should get a new album from them soon then. And um, <laughs> Link and uh, and Linkin Park. Avenged Sevenfold actually subbed system of a down. Um, Bloodstock was headlined by Wasp, Immortal and Motorhead, which as we go through this, I mean, that feels like quite a Bloodstocky bill. Yeah. Like when you think about Bloodstock, yeah. Motorhead, Immortal, Wasp. When you th- especially at that time, that felt like a pretty good bill for Bloodstock. And I think as we go through the Bloodstock lineup, try and keep that in mind is what I would say. Mm. Um, My Chemical Romance, Strokes and Muse, headline Reading. Uh, and Sonosphere, yeah, that was still a thing, was um, Metallica, Biffy Clyro and Slipknot. That was the, the big four. Remember how excited everyone was at the big four? Well, actually, Steve, I think the, the biggest excitement was that uh, I was supporting Metallica. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, and actually, I, I owe you a, a debt of gratitude for inviting me to support Metallica. Um, there yeah. by doing my five minutes of shit stand up in three and a half minutes because uh, I was over caffeinated <laughs> and nervous in um, did, in the yeah. beer tent. I mean, it was it just couldn't have been better, really. Yeah. When you look back at the big kind of moments from metal at that time, I think um, it's impossible to imagine Ghost headline Wembley Arena without that five minute set, really, isn't it? I think I think that's I mean, the definitive. Just, they just let themselves um, down. <laughs> yeah. Um, Renfrew, are you about to ask me how good Gil was at stand-up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Don't yeah. answer that, Steve. Don't feel you need to. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, look. I mean, you had, you had a go, didn't you? I was I was six times good, Renfrew. I've done it six times, and I was as good as you would expect okay. a person to be having done it six times. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Well, well done. Yeah. I Can't gave myself seven stars. <laughs> Uh, another thing that you had something to do with I guess was Watain were on the front cover of Metal Hammer I lobbied so hard for that that's a joke (laughs) by the way I I didn't Um. Uh, and yes uh, Atlantis Cavell Attack was a big thing Deathcore that was kind of I mean you mentioned Gent as well that was kind of where we were wasn't it it was um, you know big big words like big cartoon monsters on t-shirts was a thing as well wasn't it that was kind of the, the, the thing that a lot of people do in a day to remember and bring me and all of those kind of deathcore bands they had that kind of big cartoon monster t-shirts or someone driving like a cartoon big jeep or something with a, their eyes popping out and stuff that that used to be a yeah. thing do you remember that do you know what? i also remember um women in metal was sort of like this big ima- imagine it as far back as 2011 a lady in a metal band and whenever you interviewed a lady in a metal band, you'd always say, what's it like being a lady in a metal band? I mean, it's 2011. What's it like? What can it... Po- I just... You have to explain to me. What's it like being a lady in a metal band? Oh, you know, uh, from... And so I just we just asked for the entire time I was there, from 2005 with Within Temptation to 2011, to the lady from Within Temptation. What's it like? Being a lady in metal. So there was that was a big thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, unfortunately, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Oh, it's just ladies in metal. Shocking time, really. Uh, has there been yeah. any progress I mean, with that? Are there still ladies in metal? Well, we'll get on to um, that a little bit yeah. later because obviously we've got Merca coming up in a little bit. And I think, you know, Merkin. that is a great example. No, don't say things like this. Um, that was a good example of things, of, of how that sort of thing has shifted in quite a short yeah. period of time, really, isn't it? Right, when you think about it, in a sort of five-year period to go from, you know, that um, calendars in Metal Hammer of like the sexiest bitches in metal and stuff yeah. like that. Progress. Like, awful, awful shit to where we are now i mean that is one of the things that i think is definitely been a good thing um we'll, we'll go into it in more detail of course but i think um i think the short answer is uh progress has been made but there's probably still a way to go but progress has definitely been made so so, so yeah, steel panther sure. what's happened to steel panther that was a question that i had for uh, you guys is that back then it was a bit sort of icky but it was 2011 we were all just mad then um, and I think things have happened. And so I just, I, I sort of thought about Steel Panther and it just sort of made me go, ooh. Mm. Is that allowed? Do you want to take this one, Steve? The, I think you know weird, more the, about this than I do, Steve. I think you should take yes. this. Yes. Um, well, the, the weird thing about Steel Panther was is um, they actually got to the point where I think in 2015, they sold out Wembley Arena. Um, yeah, I know. Gil's <laughs> face has <laughs> just dropped. Yeah. We've we've skin dread as support. Um, I know, yeah. You've pulled an even. I'm just stunned. Weird. Yeah, so um, that's not great for the podcast, man. No, um, so 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 yeah. I actually did a feature for them. You know, like how did this happen? Still, Panther uh, have made it to Wembley, and you know there was sort of legitimate tips for them to be potential download headliners around sort of. 15, 16 on, I think, their third album. Because by 2011, that would have been the second album coming out. And that was like a bit like Airborne, not quite as good, but more of the same and enough to kind of keep that upward trajectory going. And then, I mean, by this point, I think still Panther, there's no way they could do an arena, really, is there? Renfrey, would you no. say? There's no rule. No, not not in 2020, could... no. no not at all. I don't think they could do an arena, but they could definitely turn up at download and pull in a headliner size crowd because people as we probably will discuss as we get through this special people have really gravitated to some deeply stupid shit um i think the media are trying not to gravitate towards that so much but unfortunately a lot of rock and metal fans really have gravitated towards some some fairly dopey shit and still panther are one of those bands who I, although i think they probably would play brixton now you brixton know what Academy, five. I just just looked it up the last time steel panther played was february 7th this year actually i totally oh, right. missed that and yes you're absolutely right it was brixton academy yeah brixton academy so they went from sort of wherever they were to they got up to wembley i think they were did they they didn't well we'll go through the sort of download festival lineup i think they were they got from like third from top um sounds about right alongside like motley i think they were just before the last ever motley crew show in 2015 so it was motley kiss motley crew still panther Sorry, and everyone was going oh my oh my god still panther unbelievable like oh, which which of the last me. motley crew tours because they've done about seven <laughs> since i've been yeah. gone god knows. <laughs> it's like it's in their name it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah still panther got quite big and then they sort of, st they went away. But that joke's only funny for so long, isn't it? Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're talented musicians, but even if, if the songs aren't there, right, if there's nothing you want to sort of hum along to, then it's just not going to hang together. Even if it is another yeah, hilarious think... joke about a large lady or... Yeah, having a big yeah. wheelie. Imagine it. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, was, that wasn't even really when you left in 2011 because you were still there at the start of 2012, but just to sort of fill you in on 2012 and 2013. Uh, 2012, Le Fonce Sauvage by Gojira was album of the year in, Ham- in Hammer. A Flash Flood of Colour by Enid Shikari was number one in Kerrang. Um, refused and at the drive-in reformed. The Prodigy, Metallica doing the Black Album in full and Black Sabbath headline download. Uh, Sonosphere got cancelled after a bill headlined by Kiss, Queen and Adam Lambert and Faith No More didn't sell enough tickets. Shocking. To Alan think, Lambert? <laughs> Adam Lambert. Adam you know, Lambert? Adam. What's yeah. that? It sounds like a betting shop. <laughs> Adam Lambert? You don't know who Adam Lambert is? No. Who's Adam Lambert? He was a he was a <laughs> he was a the runner up on American Idol in about two thousand and seven. Oh, that makes sense to have him on at Sonosphere then. Well, he's he's fronting Queen now. He's Freddie Mercury. Well, now. he's the new Freddie Mercury. I just he's the new. What have you done with the planet since I've been gone? So you're supposed to be looking after <laughs> it for me. What have you done, Adam Lambert? I can't I can't stop what Brian May does with his time. <laughs> I, I I'm not in control of Brian May. Yeah, well, we... they decided though. Like, yeah, so um, you know, uh, so that didn't happen. Um, the Cure, Kasabian, and Foo Fighters headline Reading, which seems like, I mean, the Cure at Reading now seems mental to me. Really? Why? Do you... I love the Cure. Love the Cure. I love. Oh, we I love, love the, cure. the Cure. We love the Cure, but it's it's the idea of the Cure at Reading. Well, was... I mean, well, it would be a bit the Cure headline in Reading now. To me, feels like having, I don't know, George Formby headlining Monsters of Rock in 1985. Or Bloodstock, actually. <laughs> I can see uh, the <laughs> yeah. skiffle covers of Cradle of Filth. <laughs> it's just, you know, like, it, if, you've, if you've got two albums out and you play at Reading, you're like a, a, a sort of grizzled old man. They treat you like you're Bob Dylan or something. It's it's become well, well, like it's always been a sort of youth orientated festival, really. But certainly it's got more and more like that as the years go on, which you'll see as we go through the lineup. It's um, enormously zeitgeist these days. I guess it's all, it always yeah. has been zeitgeisty, but now times that by 10. Mm. Uh, Bloodstock Festival was headlined by Alice Cooper, Machine Head and Behemoth. Again, like Machine Head a bit of a sort of pivot slightly to Wild's more mainstream stuff. I mean, what is it when you mention Bloodstock, you just mentioned Cradle of Filth. When you think of Bloodstock, you think of... Danny Filth getting knocked on the head by a golf ball or whatever it was that he was was hit by. Yeah, it was a gobstopper and it was Paul Allender, the guitarist, actually. Who threw it or who who got hit? Who got hit by it and yeah, knocked him out. Because literally should have seen that coming if it's the guy in the band throwing it. Um, uh, But yeah, um, sorry, yeah, go on about Bloodstock. Well, Bloodstock, you know, your typical Bloodstock band would be some sort of power metal band or some sort of black metal band or some old... Balsagoth. Yeah, shit like that. Yeah, Yeah. guy in a Batman t-shirt with a dat machine (laughs) playing blast beats and and talking about mountains over the top of it. That's... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Machine Head are not really that. No. They were. I have to say, Machine Head, to me, right through the whole time at Hammer, they were the band that should have been... 
like Metallica 2 or Pantera 2. They just, just not enough people loved them. People respected Machine Head, they liked it. They had great songs, they, they made it on bills, but they just were never the band that enough people absolutely loved. And it was quite surprising because really as a straight up metal band, they had like melodies and riffs that Lamb of God were a bit too heavy for, but they were a bit more contemporary and they were an actual band in a way that Pantera weren't anymore. Um, but it just never happened for them. And that's kind of my point about your thing about with Wembley and the Manchester shows with Machine Head. I think that was their big, uh, look at me now, Ma, but it just, it didn't happen that way. They were just okay. They were just like, mm. good, solid. That's... Yeah. Well, Machine Head have taken their ball and run away with it, haven't they? Because they didn't get a chance to headline download. <laughs> I think I think that perception that you have there, Gil, is absolutely correct for the time. Um, but I think people who have got into Machine Head, say, in the last five years would find what you've just said there really surprising. But, yes, <laughs> That's a diplomatic honestly. way of saying you're wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because for the t- for 2011, you're absolutely 100% right. So what's but, happened uh, since? Have people fallen uh, in love? Did they have a good album? No, the opposite mm. of that, actually, I would really? say. So, yeah. basic. So basically, what's happened with Machine Ed is Under the Locust came out, got ten out of ten in Hammer. Because um, that's a surefire way to to make sure that you're popular forever. <laughs> yeah, um, and they played that Wembley show, which, as we've mentioned, was a bit of a weird sort of topsy turvy, uneven bill, which didn't really sell out. Um, they then, I mean, we talked about 2012, but in 2013, they were third down. In fact, no, it was, it was 2012. Wasn't it? This year, 2012, Prodigy, Metallica, Black Sabbath, but it was it was Prodigy, Chase and Status, Machine Head. Really? Now, everyone had been saying a Machine Head had got a headline. They've just done Wembley. They've got a headline. Prodigy headlined and were fucking incredible. Everyone loved Chase and Status. And Machine Head played this set just before they played Bloodstock, which was very, very heavy on new material on... You know, 2012 was really rainy, horrible, nasty weather at download. And Machine Head played this kind of ho-hum set. And they've just never done... They've, and they've Rob Flynn's come out and said, right, we're not doing festivals anymore. And they've never done any festivals since then. They've said, we're not doing festivals, full stop, we're sick of them. And now they do, rather than tours, they do an evening with Machine Head, where they have like two sets, they play for like three and a half hours, don't have a support band. Um, Adam Juice obviously left... I mean, well, Adam, Adam Juice left the band and was replaced and then dave mclean the drummer and um why well, can't remember the guitar adam lambert phil phil, phil, <laughs> lambert, phil demel phil demel. And they've all been replaced by adam lambert um and uh, no and phil demel left and they basically so it's just rob flynn again and then rob flynn and then they released an album called catharsis in what was that 2017 Renfrey? i think 2018 I think it was Okay. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, it was 2018. Actually, you're right. Um, which was really quite bad, and they did some amazing shows off the you know with this kind of even with the Machine Head, did a really quite a rubbish album, and they've been putting it out quite quite rubbish songs, um, like uh, just a one-off rubbish song which is very radio friendly, um, and then they got the old gang back together and they've been touring Burn My Eyes in full. I think most people would consider Catharsis not far off Supercharger. Most people would prefer it to Supercharger, but it is that, it's that kind of yeah. a miss, isn't it? it? It's rubbish. You're basically on a hiding to nothing. You know, you're really, you, uh, you know, you're really cashing in your chips when you're doing a, a, an, art, an album tour. I think basically yeah. you're at the level of like Carter, um, where you're like, do you remember Carter? Oh, yeah, I, I bought one of their oh, albums yeah. when I was 14. Have they done anything since? Oh, yes, they've had 25 years of putting out an album every two years. 
do you want to see them on tour? I don't know. Are they going to play the one album that anyone gives a fuck about? Because <laughs> I might pay thirteen fifty for that. Um, but as long as they don't play any of the new stuff. It costs you a lot more than that. It costs I mean, you a lot is, more than that. Is, is that what, that's what I mean, is that what Machine Head are, well, it depends if you see them at the Fleece and Firkin in Bristol or not. Um, <laughs> well, they... They they did they they did Brixton Academy and me and Renfrey saw them on the doing the Burn My Eyes tour at Brixton Academy and they were brilliant actually. Yeah, they were I great. mean particularly so the new the new version of the band played a sort of hour and a half of material from the Blacking In and from you know the Burning Red and there's a couple of new songs and everything. And actually the, the album they put out in 2014, Bloodstone and Diamonds, is actually great. There's some yeah. fucking great yeah. stuff on that. But it just because Unto the Locust was such a flop and they sort of like I say, they took their ball and they said we're not playing anymore. We're not doing festivals like <laughs> fuck you. Um it just sort of got they it just sort of got ignored. And I think that's like a real, you know, it, it was just it, they massively stalled for them and that was it really. And since then they've, you know, they do the first half of the set where they play, like I say, a bunch of stuff with the new lineup and then the old lineup of the band that did Burn My Eyes comes out and they play Burn My Eyes in full. And that was brilliant. Like to see that album in full was brilliant. And obviously a lot of people, most people now think of the Blackening as their mm. their definitive statement. Yeah. Um, but people love Burn My Eyes and that was going to be, they were going to be doing Ali Pally playing Burn My Eyes this year, but it got moved, it got reduced back down to Brixton because it was only six months after they played Brixton doing it in the first place, wasn't it really? Yeah. So uh, it's a bit of an odd thing to think, you know, we can do exactly the same album again in London, but just at a three times the capacity. Um, and it got moved back down to Brixton, which obviously got cancelled due to COVID. But yeah, it's been a funny old decade for Machine Ed. It's been, I would say, one of the most significant falls from graces from any band in metal, Renfrey. Is that fair? Oh, sadly, it, it pains me to say it because I fucking love Machine Head, by the way. Even uh, more than yeah, when Trip Eisen got arrested for being doing impressions of himself, <laughs> the, the guitarist from Static X. A bigger fall from grace than that. Oh God, we've got we've got yeah. to tell well, actually, Gil, we've got to tell Gil about Static X, haven't we? Fuck. Oh wow, the Static uh, X news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow, what yeah. a treat. So, oh. um, well, it's, there's good, mate, there's good news and bad news oh with Static X. So, I mean, Trip Eisen, yes, he's gone. Unfortunately, sadly, in 2015, Wayne Static passed away. Really? Um, yeah, which is a sad... Why? Thing. Why? What? It was, I believe, it was a drug overdose. So, unfortunately, no more Static X, we thought, until, what was it, the end of last year? I actually saw the Reform Static X with a bloke dressed up like Wayne Static, but with a zombie mask of his face on, playing the first album. Who would do form. that? Who would dress up like him? I would sing like him and do the songs. But who would go, yeah, I'm, that, I'm as committed as I'm going to do my hair like that? I don't want to talk ill of well, the dead. They won't even tell you who it is. Oh. They're like, it's it's the, someone is, it's basically like a, this guy's playing a zombified version of Wayne Static. Is it like I a two-pack sort of hologram? <laughs> yeah it's like a sort of touring touring heavy metal version of weekend at bernie's yeah. and not to belabor a point but maybe it's adam lambert i mean he seems to be a gigging <laughs> singer i believe the identity of the person has been revealed now uh, oh. in the manner that it always seems to be uh, of people taking footage of these people and then seeing their tattoos and matching them up to other musicians uh but, but the person who it is isn't even that exciting they support the a singer from dope that's it yeah. 
Never, never <laughs> heard of that. Yeah, it's not exciting. No, no. no. But um, yeah, Static X are back, mate. They they went away, but now they're back, even though the one that everyone knows is is uh, sadly no longer with us. So that's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's fantastic news, Steve. I'm just, uh, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's made it all worth it. <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> um so 2012, uh, there was the one thing I do remember a bit about 2012 was there was a kind of big metalcore rebirth and boom. I think um, Atlas by Partway Drive is a big album. While She Sleeps um, sort of put British metal metalcore on the map. Bury Tomorrow's Union of Crowns came along. There were a lot of those bands from that sort of lower than Atlantis scene that you were talking about. Feed the Rhino put out a very good album. And it looked like mm. those bands were going to be pretty big deals back then didn't it Renfrew yeah absolutely it did um there was a big drive for that sort of uh mm, anthemic melodic metalcore is that fair to say you know more about this stuff yeah. than I do I thought was it not I mean Feed the Rhino always thought they were fantastic but never really thought they had um what it took to become a, a bigger band they were just the sort of um you know a, a gallows meets every time i die for a british audience who wanted to see those bands in a sweaty pub um mm, and um, pretty much. i much mean, so um i mean bury tomorrow was slightly different a bit more sort of you know traditional metalcore with you know melodic bits and uh what have you um so i was less surprised but feed the rhino become massive then is that or, or bigger did they no no, no okay thanks no. good yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Questions. they did they they did um they did open the main stage at reading to about 50 people, um, I believe. They put out a very good record a couple of years later called uh, The Sound and the Sorrow, I think it's called. Probably okay. their best record. Yeah, something like that. Great. And then they just sort of turned down a lot of tours. They didn't really tour it. And then they just sort of disappeared. And then a couple of years ago, they they were like, we're back. We'll feed the Rhino, we're back. And we've got a new album out. And the album came out and it wasn't as good as their old stuff. And then they just went, ah, well, fuck it, and split up again. So Feed the Rhino ended up doing kind of nothing really they Which really is a shame because and i love those guys they, they were do you remember what's his name tobin who's the singer who lee lee tobin and he was really a genuinely terrifying human being in that you never yeah. quite knew uh whether he was just gonna start a fight or tear down a traffic light or uh just it was because he was such a, a strong person you it just uh, and so sort of erratic and volatile that it was quite exciting but also dangerous um and I remember sort of, you know, having a couple of pints with him in, in pubs um, and 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 brawls just sort of feeling like just teetering on the edge um, of brawls almost all the time. And there's only so much of that edge of your seat stuff I can cope with. I... <laughs> well, mate, you were lucky you weren't around a few months later because they kind of, in terms of the mad underground British hardcore band, they sort of were usurped by this band called Baby Godzilla, who I think it's worth mentioning, isn't it, Renfrew? Just for the name, yeah, if absolutely. nothing else. <laughs> yeah who who are musically far better than them and also live genuinely fucking mental i saw them uh play download in 2013 on the third stage and johnny their guitarist went out from the stage walked and got on top of an ice cream van while he was playing his guitar still and people were circle pitting around this guy's ice cream van that's a gift uh, i've got to google that yeah <laughs> yeah it was really I, good i saw them on battersea barge very early on 2013 i want to say um and mm. um they had to stop the show after seven and a half minutes because the barge was sinking more or less <laughs> it was just carnage and everyone had to get off it was yeah i've seen so they they were fucking brilliant yeah amazing band yeah 
really, really, really good band. Um, if we move on slightly, this is when we're about to get into the first album that we're going to talk about. Um, 2013, Earth Rocker by Clutch was Hammer's number one album. <clears throat> Sempaternal by Bring Me the Horizon was Kerrang's number one album. Obviously, that was a massive album as well. Felt like 2013 for me, Renfrey, was a pretty big year. Had some massive records. Yeah. Um, the Black is Beautiful by Let Live. I think is an absolute classic as we've as we've um, discussed. The Greatest Generation by the Wonder Years. I know a lot of people in pop punk feel uh, strongly about that. And Sunbather by Death Heaven was the most highly rated record of any release of the entire year. Um, Sunbather by Death Heaven, Gil, basically was when black metal got infiltrated by people who, uh, well, look a little bit like you. Twats. that kind of yeah that kind of kind of brill creamed hair and curly mustache um you know kind of hipster i do i do feel for metal fans and i and i did it in a sort of a slightly bloody minded way back then and you know i really genuinely liked architects but i also liked the fact that the sort of the amonomath metal people were a bit like get off my stuff it's my stuff um, and there were certain things that obviously the, the sort of the, the hipster brigade um, and, the, and the kids who liked, uh, you know, big trainers and what have you, that they just weren't going to go near because it wasn't cool. They liked the hardcore stuff, the beatdowns, you know, tattoos. Um, but it seems to have spread. And I can see, you know, someone who was like Ollie Sykes when he's 21 wearing corpse paint and, and all the people going, oh, get off my stuff. That's my metal stuff. Get off it. Leave it alone. Stop ruining it for everyone. Is that really what's happened? You've... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, particularly like Death Heaven have become, we'll probably talk about some very, very, well, we will talk about some very, very, um, some bands that are divisive, let's say, within the scene. Oh, yeah. None, no, no band is really, not many bands have been as divisive as Death Heaven. Death Heaven, when you listen to them, for my money, musically, they're, they're in a, they're a kind of atmospheric Black metal band. I mean, particularly on Sunbather and the New Bermuda, uh, the album that came after it a couple of years later. And they got so much shit just because they look like Tegan and Sarah fans. <laughs> they got so much shit. They were the most despised band you can imagine. Now, I know you haven't heard Death Heaven, but take it from me. Like, this is the point where black metal starts to kind of go to turn into something else and starts being definitely co-opted and adopted by lots of different people um and can i man, just in, can i they, just in, they did not like it can i just interject there so i think it's key to say that um whilst Def, Def heaven weren't the first to do it they were one of the bands who made adding shoegaze elements to black metal popular which is something which i don't know maybe you've missed out on or not if you think back to like say an alcest type band so are we talking yeah. about bands sort of like jesu and lunatic soul yeah. and yeah, isis that yeah. sort of yeah. yeah yeah but with much more kind of pronounced bm yeah yeah black yeah. metal tremolo picking black metal parts the other thing about Sunbather, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, is um, I think the reason a lot of people hated it, and Renfrey, I reckon you'll back me up on this, is because although it was essentially, you know, related to black metal, um, it had a pink album cover. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I that's the that biggest fuck you of all time for a black metal band, isn't it? If, you're, if you are a black metal fan, you go to Bloodstock to see Balsa Goth and Bork Nagar and Anal Nathrak, triple header uh you are going to be ticked off um if a 
black metal band have a pink cover. It's just so highly offensive to that community, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. What a bunch of babies. They haven't grown up is basically what we're saying. <laughs> Get off my stuff. Stop making it pink. <laughs> exactly. It's That's not exactly called the pink attitude. metal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So that happened. Um, Slipknot, I made a Ramstein headline download. There was no Sonosphere that year. Reading had Green Day, Eminem and Biffy Clyro plus a tantrum from the returning Nine Inch Nails. Oh, really? Um, I was Yes, I was going to ask you if you were aware of this. Now, I understand Nine Inch Nails in my head should be bigger than Biffy Clyro because I knew Biffy Clyro when they were a tiny little band and I knew and at that time Nine Inch Nails were one of the biggest bands in rock but as time has gone on Biffy Clyro it certainly in this country have got have become bigger than Nine Inch Nails right yeah well yeah in yeah. this country yes. um certainly in this country um Nine Inch Nails didn't like the fact that they had to play below a band that they never heard of before so basically threw a wobbler at Reading and just played a load of sort of atmospheric b-sides and stood with their back to people what a baby and when you say they it is trent reznor right so trent reznor who's yeah I mean, is I, I'm, I'm such a big knowledge nails fan i listen to knowledge nails a lot it's one of the, the bands from the you know metal bands that i listen to a lot um not particularly wild about the new stuff um and recently because I, I interviewed him on with teeth um and then again on that on that tour but he basically stopped talking to metal ham he just didn't have to anymore because we wanted to talk about what the songs were about um, and other things that people are interested in. What he wanted to do was just talk about the kit. And so he'd do like a four hour interview on dials um, with some sort of, you know, richer sounds in store magazine um, and, and podcast <laughs> and yet not speak to us. But, and, and obviously that was annoying because I really wanted to speak to him. I had a lot of questions as a big fan. Um, but what's it like doing heroin? Oh, well, what are your influences? <laughs> Why are you called Nine Inch Nails? Um, you know, all the stuff that we really need to get to the bottom of on this latest album. Um, and and I, I mean, I watched an interview with him and Atticus Ross, who basically, Atticus Ross is the guy who sort of engineers all the sounds and what have you. And he's, oh, in, yeah, that he's in it now these days, yeah. And um, I watched mm. an hour-long interview where he's sat with, sat with Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, and someone's asking him questions for an hour, and Atticus Ross says nothing. And it's this sort of whole, like, oh, Nine Inch Nails is a band. It's like a collaborative thing. It's like more that it's not, don't focus on me. Like, you know, it's not all about me, Trent. And then Trent just talks for two hours, and you sort of think, why bother? Poor old Atticus Ross has got to sit there and just and listen to you answer all the questions, and nothing is really about anything that Trent's going to let you ever go on. It's like having a ventriloquist dummy that you can't even be bothered to operate. Um, um, so I, I have a massive love and respect for Nightingale and Trent Reznor, but still just, wow, someone with someone I don't know is bigger than me in a different country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't great that. Um, also, headline in Bloodstock, King Diamond, Lamb of God and Slayer. Uh, Lamb of God's after Randy Blythe had been acquitted for manslaughter. Oh, my God, what? Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, there's Here so much go. to tell you. What? So um, back probably just before you left Metal Hammer, um, there was a, an incident at a gig in the Czech Republic where Randy pushed a kid and he fell off. The st he was going to stage dive at a Lamb of God show and he kind of shoved him and the guy jumped off. He hit his head on the barrier, <clears throat> went home and he died oh, in his sleep. Right now, the band weren't aware of this, and about a year later, they turn up at the Czech Republic. Randy is 
arrested in the Czech Republic and said, blah, 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 you have to do that. And, and basically spent, I mean, I think he spent, what was it, nine months in jail, Renfrey? I think it was four. It was quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, um, mm. He's written a book about it called Dark Days, which is phenomenal. A phenomenal a mm. memoir of his time in prison. It's incredible. One of the best music-related yeah. books I've ever read. Yeah, and he basically was he was a, he was acquitted, and he you know like they he was you know and he dealt and he actually dealt with it in an absolutely like incredibly humbling way. I thought he yeah. made it all about that. He said one of our fans has died, and it's heartbreaking, and I'm gonna you know he could have run off to the US and just gone oh well you know. I'm not going back there. I might go to prison, but he never did that. He stayed and he fought it. And I think everyone had, yeah, no, there's a lot of love and respect for Randy Blythe on the back of him behaving definitely. the way that he behaved and doing definitely. that. Very, oh, very definitely. good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So they came back after that. So that's quite a kind of triumphant show. There's, there's an amazing, the show itself wasn't great. Was it? That, uh, I wasn't at that particular Okay. bloodstock but um there's an amazing documentary about that whole period as well called as the palaces burn which i would thoroughly recommend okay, cool. um it's like an hour and a half it's really really interesting mm. um slayer headlined a few months after the death of jeff hanneman their original guitarist as well which i don't know if you heard of that um no yet yeah, you're shaking your head sorry this has got a bit heavy oh, buzzkill a lot of dead people and yeah yeah it's sorry be quite, about that it's gonna be quite a lot of this i'm afraid yeah it's not been a great yeah. decade for that but yeah Mm. um so yeah jeff hanneman passed from slayer passed away they did a big uh they did a big sort of tribute to him in well all across metal and then they came back and did this show and uh joe jordison also got kicked out of slipknot around this time as well what for um uh, do we know remfrey i'm not sure if we what do. can you get he kicked out of slipknot had... for doing <clears throat> well he did have a Oh, I'm going. I'm going to misremember the details here, but he did have a quite degenerative, degenerative disease. Which yeah, fucking um, get out. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people took it as that a little bit. Uh, so I think Joey did for a while. He did a, a interview with Hammer, didn't he? Where he was quite candid about. What did they get Phil Collin in instead? Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know who replaced Adam Lambert? Him? Um, <laughs> Bruce, yeah, Bruce. Bruce Springsteen's drummer, uh, Bruce Springsteen's son uh, replaced him. God, so weird. I feel like I'm having a surreal dream. That's just sort of, you know, a collage <laughs> of crazy shit that I know all wobbled together in a new and weird story. So, anyway, so Joey Jordison, is, is he, he, Bruce is he still in Murder Dolls? Is that going, is that going well for no, him? No, 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 he's, he's, <laughs> no. He was in a band called, uh, oh, fuck, I saw them. I, they played The Underworld. His new band played The Underworld the week he, yeah, it, it broke that he, that he got kicked out of Slipknot. And I went to that show. Uh, Scar the Martyr, they were called. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> they were really rubbish. <laughs> they were not good. Is Joey all right yeah, now? How's really he, rubbish. I mean, he, he always seemed like a decent chap. Yeah, he's got quite. He's put on a few pounds, isn't he? Has Not he? that I can talk. Or, Do you mean yeah, he's taller? He, he chunked up. I mean, oh. no, <laughs> I don't think he's I taller. Mean, lying <laughs> down, he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, we have to keep seven really Joey Jordisons away from each other at the moment uh, with this COVID stuff going on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but Slipknot, I mean, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because obviously you were there when Paul Gray passed away and yet the band carried on. I wasn't on and they right had, there, Steve. They still, even at this point. <laughs> <I wasn't laughs> at his bedside. Um, sorry. 
it's not an accusation. No. <laughs> but they they still, even at this point, so Joey had left and they still hadn't replaced the, they had the old guitarist playing bass behind the stage. They're probably just trying time. to get down to a sen- sensible number of members. <laughs> All of those people are necessary in Slipknot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All defensive. <laughs> we need nine people. I pick. I pick my team. There's got to be nine. <laughs> um, yes. So that happened, and you've probably heard of this bit of news. A gentleman called Ian Watkins, who used to be in a band called the Lost Prophets, that no one ever is allowed to mention. He went to jail for I think like tax evasion or something <laughs> like that. Um, let's not talk about that too much. Instead. Let's talk about the first album um, that we're going to talk about from that time. It is the ninth, uh, sorry, the tenth album from Behemoth, the Polish blackened death metalers. Uh, the album's released on the third of February two thousand and fourteen. It is called The Satanist. It finished eighth on the Kerrang album of the year end of year list, beaten by Architects Lost Together Lost Forever, which was number one. But it was the number one album of the year in the Metal Hammer critics poll uh gil i mean this is one of the bands that i presume you are fully yeah. aware of at least who behemoth were what are your memories well, I, of behemoth because the whole sort of corpse paint stuff and they had their own particular take on that um which was sort of like uh, exploding some talcum powder in front of your face when it's wet uh that was their sort of whole look <laughs> and i forget his name was nurgle's real name is adrian or or thomas or something like that um <laughs> Adam, thank Adam, you. Yeah, Adam and, and he seemed like a, yeah. a nice bloke. He and I both share very tall foreheads, so we we felt a sort of natural affinity. Um, even though I'm not really a black metal fan, um, and I could see that they were like you know um, a level above for a black metal band. They were a level above the sort of um, Euronymous level recorded in a bread bin 1990 sort of stuff. You know, it was it was Cradle of Filth mm. 2.0, and you know there was great stuff going on in that. It's not really my my cup of tea, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if from the, for the Metal Hammer crew, you can see that they were um, uh, they were heroes for that, right? Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what we should mention with, with this as well is that Nurgle actually um, had been fighting leukemia for a couple of years yeah, before I that. Yeah, so he had leukemia. Yeah, so he'd just come through, and this album was the the sort of rebirth of the cut of the band and his comeback after his illness, which you know he said played a huge part in the writing of the record i can see um, that from the lyrics steve for example uh you know i mean i don't know if either of you um have been ill steve i know you better i know you haven't sort of had any you know particular big illnesses but when i go in my in my yeah. mind you know what would what would steve sort of come out the other side of, of illness and talk about and i suspect it wouldn't be at the faintest whim they would impale the sun and thus the sheep in me became the wolf in man i am the fly that flew forth from the ark my thoughts like insects, whoring wounds divine. So thank God I'm better. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's worse, worse than allergies. That's hay fever. That's that, really that bad hay fever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so go on then. I mean, me and Renfrey will t- probably tell you uh, how we feel about this record, you know, as we go on. But um, what, I know it's not really your thing, but did you, can you understand why this, because essentially this album is the album that really has brought extreme, extreme metal is far more accepted 
in in the aftermath of this record than it ever has been ever. I mean, they've got to the point now where they are playing the main stage at Download. Um, where I mean, I saw them at on this tour at Hellfest in France, and they were in between Megadeth and Soundgarden. Wow. Right to give you some idea of how big they've got right in Europe, and they are—they've just been main support to Slipknot on their arena tour. They're a big, big fucking band now, and a lot of it is to do with this record. This was definitely a kind of breakthrough record it, for them. Their last headline show was at the Forum, just to add to that as well. Yeah, they sold out the Forum over pack. It's. It's a, it's a big album. It's well recorded, which is a treat for black metal. You know, it's got the whole sort of cinematic orchestral stuff going on. It's quite varied as well um, in terms of styles. It's not just 12 unrelenting... You know, you've got um, some other things going on in there. Um, the bit... I know I'm, I'm a big fan of the sort of the shredding and noodling and stuff, but there's some awesome guitar solos that I think almost if you lifted some of those out in their entirety, you wouldn't guess that they're from a black metal band. Almost, um, I can't remember what my note, uh, what my, like sort of Van Halen-esque sort of solos, really um, not just that, you know, it's, um, it, was a, it was a rich record, um, but uh, yeah, I, I warmed to it, but not least because it wasn't just pure black metal. It's got kind of techie aspects to it in there as well. Uh, which I know was sort of big at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did then, towards the end, I just thought, it's quite exhausting. And I was I was sitting, working, right? So I'm sitting there writing about, like, international healthcare in Guam, listening to him <laughs> say, I saw the virgin's cunt spawning forth the snake. Um, and I thought to myself, did the world need this album? And if it was album of the year, did no one else release an album that year? <laughs> well... To give you an idea, I mean, it was below albums like, well, Bloodstone and Diamonds by Machine Head was number two. Mastodon, it's the only time Mastodon this decade released an album and it didn't get number one in Metal Hammer, Once More Around the Sun. Slipknot, 0.5, the Grey Chapter, the comeback Slipknot record. Um, Pale Communion by Opeth, more of their proggy stuff. That was out as well. Um, I mean, another big one, you know, I think when we, we, before we were talking about the likes of uh, Lowe and Atlantis and um, Feed the Rhino, the the British band that really kind of killed all that stuff off, off for a bit and took the sort of British scene in another direction was Marmosets of Weird and Wonderful, um, which spawned a whole load of different types of bands coming out of this country. Um, and that was at number eight. I mean, there were some very, very good records that came out that year. Um, I'm just looking down the the list of albums that, they, that were in the top 50 in Hammer now. I mean... Solstafir's album's great as well. You had Z2 by Solstafir. Um that was in the top yeah. album. I mean that's like subterranean ludicrously obscure. Yeah, but they're 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 big. What? They're big as well now. I mean this whole thing this <laughs> yeah, This whole thing's been like it's all been opened up like Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me came out that year as well. Brilliant. Sol- Solstafir have added kind of Sigaros post-rock elements to their black metal oh that explains it Renfrey I can see why that's so popular (laughs) (laughs) but it but the mix works really well and I think it's opened Mm. them up to a whole new audience myself included actually I would say so um yeah yeah. I I know what you're saying though but yeah yeah I think that's why but yeah but people have I mean this came out right at the start of 2014 and there was definitely there's a proper shift. I mean, like you say, like funnily enough, if you get to their... So 2018, they followed this album up 
with I Loved You at Your Darkest. And that has got a real, almost a kind of ACDC rock and roll vibe to the behemoth. It's like a kind of black metal rock and roll record. It's proper. It's the closest thing ever you would have heard for a sort of black and death metal band doing a kind of good time sing along record. Do you know what I mean? What and a like, strange selection of words to have in one sentence. I can't even <laughs> can't even imagine what that is. It's just like when we used to sit about and try and think of crazy music genres. Yeah, jazz, reggae, deathcore, core. Um, so ACDC black metal. I mean, back in black metal. So what? What? I just. I need to go and listen to that and then just sort of be baffled by it. If you it's like the hooked, guitar solo, yeah, if you like the guitar solos in The Satanist, I think you should listen to I Love You, Your Dad. Okay, fair, um, fair. Because there's a lot of that. It's, there's a lot of that. It's it's much short, it's shorter, it's more condensed. It's kind of more straightforward. It's not as kind of um, arcane as this record. I mean, for me, and I, I think me and Renfrew have said it a whole bunch of times, this is an apt, I, this is an absolute, slam dunk this is an incredible record this is a this is a i think deservedly a landmark record yeah i'm you know. I, like you gil i'm i'm not a massive black metal guy if i'm totally honest but this record speaks to me in a way that a lot of other black metal records don't um yes mm. bring forth your snakes from thy virgins cunt or whatever it was that you said uh because i'm well into this fair yeah i i love it i think it's um, that you know it's brilliant it. <laughs> although although of course Renfrew we probably should mention as well that um Adam Dartsky aka Nurgle has there is a little bit of um wonderment of as to whether he should be getting covered in outlets such as Metal Hammer because of his rather um anti antifa and slightly uh some would say <laughs> right-wing views quite extreme right-wing views that he's been uh, putting on Instagram. Um, he's from Poland. What do you want? Well, you know, I don't know if that's oh, good enough. I was going to get. Oh, yeah. he's just Polish. I'm not sure if that's sort of all right. To go. Yeah, why wouldn't you be a Nazi? Yeah. He's Polish. I, I was like, kind of hoping, it, didn't they, when they got invaded? Kind of hoping you were going to. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah no oh no i've had to justify the words that come out of my mouth. welcome back welcome back to podcasting Gil. <laughs> um yeah i mean you know i i think uh it's a it's I complicated mean, it's complicated it's complicated it's not clear black metal's always had that though just right? goading people sorry Renfrew. yeah it has yeah black metal's always yeah, had yeah, that slightly ambiguous is it really tolkien mm. or is it a you know an anti-semitic sort of story yeah yeah. yeah yeah and and he's been interviewed he was interviewed in the last issue of metal hammer and he came across like a bit of a cunt i thought bit of a plonker i would say yeah, just sort of stupid. It's one of those ones you go, ah, he's posting all this sort of stuff. And then someone goes, what do you mean by that? And then he says something like, oh, I was only mucking around. God. It's definitely a funny topic, isn't Basically. it, to muck about with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And not that definitely. dangerous to um, do if you're a... Mm. So if you, if you were marking this in Hammer back in the day, what, what might you have given it's it? Probably, it's probably an eight, maybe a nine. I, you know, I think that's, object, that's, object, that's objectively. Um, I just think it was you could hear that it was a really, really well put together record, um, that it didn't feel sort of, it didn't feel like it was trying hard. It was as good as it was thought that it was. You know what I'm saying? It, it didn't put itself across as better than it was. You didn't, um, 
Um, yeah, I just think the whole the whole thing sort of hung together really well. I can see it's a really rich record, um, and that people who have Lamb of God albums or um, you know other side sort of genres will go, yeah, this is a banger. Totally. Yeah. No, good, good. Um, in other news that year, um, Aerosmith, Linkin Park, and Avenged Hev- Sevenfold headline download. Avenged Sevenfold finally got the shot of that. Girl. I Did didn't. You know about that? I didn't know that. Although I have to say, I'm not that that surprised because I always thought that Avenged were a huge band um, because they could appeal mm. to the sort of you know then 45 year old Guns and Roses fan as much as they could a Bring Me fan or a Machine Head fan. They had that kind of um american cool um but with mm. um with songs mm. they also had a number one album around that time um still not enough for a lot of people uh on the metal hammer facebook page which led to i'm not sure if you know about this um a lot of complaints you won't be surprised at hearing um from true diehard real well, proper naturally. metal fans complaining yeah complaining that Avenged sevenfold did not deserve to be headlining download one particular hardy fool said why not give other bands a chance and then proceeded to go why not megadeth why not machine head why not dying yeah. fetus they deserve their right. shot steve yeah <laughs> do you know do you know how long they've been yeah. trying to headline Having... download uh yeah quite i mean you know having seen them almost sell out the underworld four years before the natural choice yeah to put them in front of eighty thousand fucking mainstream rock fans um but uh that was such a stupid thing to say that bless him merlin from metal hammer merlin alderslade who's now the editor and our good friend um started a campaign with hashtag dying fetus which ended up getting dying fetus put on the main stage of download that year opening for Linkin Park, who were doing hybrid theory in full. So dreams can come true. Although quite why where they weren't above Linkin Park, I'll never Well, know. and then, then Linkin Park, you know, Chester Bennington could have sort of said, oh, I don't know who dying fetus are. I'm just going to play some ambient drone for an hour and a half. <laughs> Which would probably have been better than hybrid theory, to be Ooh, fair. So. Yeah, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, controversial. So yeah. So yeah, people, people power. People power getting dying fetus on the download bill. Yeah, That's no one exciting. more worthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sonosphere came back for a year with uh, Prodigy, Iron Maiden and Metallica as headliners and then was never seen again, although they did leave having given the band Baby Metal their first shot on a main stage in this country. Uh, Gil, I wasn't going to put you through an entire album of Baby Metal, but I did ask you to listen to a little bit of them because they have been culturally one of the more significant larger bands of the last 10 years without any doubt um did you have a chance to listen to any baby metal at yeah all? yeah <sighs> <laughs> go on it's, i think this is the thing about heaviness right and this was sort of always going on is that what what was annoying to metal fans is that you can take really super heavy guitars and somehow make them less brutal and heavy and offensive and just stick it in a pop record um and or, or even like the black metal vocals you can somehow sanitize them for, for radio and that's sort of maybe i'm contradicting myself about earlier about wow get off my stuff but it just um i don't know the whole thing didn't really it just doesn't really hang together for me the whole the whole sort of thing it's it's drawing attention to itself too much that i'm just constantly going this is weird this is weird this is weird this is weird rather than just going oh this is a tune it doesn't gel very well, no. does it? 
I don't think. And that's fine. I like uh, Enter Shikari, don't so don't, I don't own the moral high ground on shit gelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on shit gelling? No, you do not. <laughs> Who does own the moral high ground on shit gelling, though? So, you know. Answers on a postcard. It's a, it's a dubious matter. <laughs> um. Reading had a Paramore Queens of Stone Age double headliner bill with Arctic Monkeys and Blink 182 as the other headliners that day. Still basically a rock festival at this point, isn't it? Really still kind of what you think of when you think of Reading. Um, and that was 2014. And it feels like a long time ago that that was the case uh, when you get later on. Um, Bring Me the Rising headline, Wembley Arena, just over two years since they supported Machine Head in that show that we were talking about earlier. Fair, yeah. Fair, fair yeah. play to them. They were seemingly on the up. Um, I mentioned Marmoset. Slipknot obviously released the 0.5 The Grey chapter, their first album since Paul Grey passed away. Um, and Renfrey, I thought I'd bring this up, one, this one up for you as well. Oh, yeah. Who were the hot, the hot new band of 2014? King 810. Remember them? King 810. Uh, do you remember them, girl? King 810. Yeah, uh, King Eight One O were the were pushed as hard as any band have been pushed in this decade. I would say when they first came out, yeah. they were omnipresent on every. They got basically a feature, a, a front page feature um, length interview in Hammer before their album had even come out. They were they're from Flint, Michigan. And it's all about guns. They're basically, you know, Jeff from League of Gentlemen. You know, yeah. I got this gun. They're basically, they're basically that guy, right? right? <laughs> like they go on about guns. And when you went to, the, I went to their show at uh, they they did a London show. Their, their first London show at Islington Academy. They were meant to do download, but when they went to get on the plane, one of their, I think their bass player wasn't allowed on the plane because he had a gun. Do um, they not allow so you with guns on planes anymore? <laughs> no, apparently, I don't know not. why that is, but my but, holiday um, in Ibiza yeah. is going to be and, different. Um, <laughs> 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 and um, yeah, basically, King Eight went over this sort of this band that were hyped to buggery, and they're still around now, but they're sort of seen as as a bit of a joke because all of their songs were just. So let me, let me ask this: So why were they hyped? Who was their manager? What label were they on? Which you know celebrity band endorsement did they have? Why were why was there this unanimous so, hype? Because there's always a reason. It's always some celebrity manager or someone. They were on they're Road on Roadrunner. Runner. Yeah, Roadrunner. Um, I think a lot of the people behind Slipknot were behind them, weren't they? I mean, I, Jordan, I would yeah. make that as an educated. Well, their guess. management. They open. They opened for Slipknot um, on the Slipknot and Corn Arena tour a few months later. The album Sorry. had only been out about three months, and they were the first band. It was King Eight One O, Corn, Slipknot. Um, they had, like I said, this massive thing in Hammer. They flew them out to Flint to talk to them, and yeah, they got a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of hype. And actually, they were a lot better than they weren't as good as the hype was that was being made out to them. And I think that's why, you know, back in the day you'd hype something like Slipknot got loads of hype. Corn got loads of hype. Marilyn Manson got loads of hype. You know, my chemical romance got loads of hype. Oh, this is the future. And people would go, Oh, is it great? Thanks. Whereas now where people can find their own music and whatever, and people are just a little bit more dis- either discerning or cynical. I don't know which one is you, you pick whichever one you think is more apt. Probably um, both probably both probably a bit of both in this in this case um they just 
people just went. The, nope, the answer is that the, the media say. stopped being able to lead and had to reflect. And that was the when I was there. That was the troubled mm. switch from a time when uh, you could only really find out about bands through the media and the press, the radio and magazines. And when that stopped happening, really with MySpace, people realised that I don't need your magazine to tell me if anything's any good because I can just go and listen to it. Um, on MySpace, less so for like mainstream acts, but for new bands, I don't don't need you. I've got MySpace, um, and actually you're wrong. And not only that, I found ten other bands that you've never met, you've never heard, you're not talking about in the magazine, and and I think they're better. And the hype and the so on exists on the channel, and and the magazine essentially doesn't become redundant, but it's it's power to lead, um, and for a uh, you know an, a label to unify its right. We've got an interview in Rock Sound, Kerrang, Hammer. It's all going to drop at the same time. It's going to you know tie in with the radio ads and the billboards and them headlining Sonosphere. Boom! It's all going to go. They can't run it. You know they couldn't run it like that anymore. And so we had to start reflecting. And we were looking at um, what people were talking about, bloggers, social media, um, uh, etc. We had to look at what was going on out there. And a lot of the time, listen to who bands were talking about because bands were traveling around and they were seeing local bands and saying, these guys are really good. So we were looking a lot of the time or um, towards sort of around the 2010 mark, we had to start looking for that rather than hearing a CD that had come in um, and, and a label saying they're going to be big, we're going to push them in um, you know, France. That just, that, that was the change, I think, the big change that happened while I was there. Mm. And I think they did use that method quite heavily it was a very aggressive marketing like um attempt to turn king 810 into the yeah. next you can't thing you can't force it anymore or whatever and it, mm, no. and it really really backfired it really backfired because the first album i think is it's not absolutely shite but it's not great then they brought a second album out which drew from lots of kind of you know, Tom Waits and hip hop as well and stuff. It's actually like not a perfect record, but at least an interesting record. And they were just dismissed completely. And now they can't really get arrested, can they? No, they really can't. Um, yeah. I Look think how happy I'm... you are that the idea of that as well, Renfrew. You were like, no, they can't. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look, I've never been a massive fan of them. I'm not a big fan of the whole kind of, we've got guns. Yeah. Culture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, generally. Um, I I always think you know how you just you said, bloody uh, love Bugsy Malone though, don't you? <laughs> I you do hypocrite. fucking love Bugsy Malone, but Splurge Guns are different, aren't they? Um, how you said um, with uh, the Satanist, uh, it's as big a record as it deserves to be. It 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 knows it's good, mm. kind of thing. Um, I always thought King Eight One O was sort of trying to tiptoe around brilliance and not quite reaching it. Um, they they had high aspirations, but I never thought they particularly reached them, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so anyway, let's move on. To, so 2015 was actually a pretty tragic year for music, I thought. Um, the Book of Souls by Iron Maiden was at Metal Hammer's album of the year. Oh, really? Iron Maiden? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Ten, 10 out of 10. Um, That's the Spirit by Bring Me the Horizon was Kerrang's album of the year, the disappointing follow-up to Semper Eternal. Um, Slipknot slip kind of slept walked through their download headlining set alongside muse and kiss um mumford and sons mumford and sons metallica and the mm -hmm. libertines headline reading um bloodstock was headlined by trivium within temptation and rob zombie that's gill balsa goth and anna nathrak fans listening to dracula 
and pull harder on the string that, of your mind. I have to say, that was Go. one of my big questions um, for, for you guys, is that Trivium uh, always... Matt Hafey ran that uh, band like a business, like a machine. He wasn't fucking about, didn't get pissed, did, you know, they, they practiced hard before the show. He just, they were on it. He, they toured with Maiden early on in their career and he learned a lot from that. They had their cabinet with the dressing gowns in and the water bottles and it just, it ran like a machine. They were in it to win it. Um, and I, f- I thought they, they, f- I always thought Shogun um, was it Shogun was a good a good album that was around like um, yeah yeah great uh, record, but yeah. I just feel they ne- at that point they didn't have quite their um, uh, just an album quite big enough they never had like the Poison um, kind of level album um, but has that changed in the last eight years because if there's a band who deserves to to become you know as big as Bring Me or, or you know a large band I always thought it was Trivium I just they needed the records to be able to do that has that happened what's mm. happened well you've opened Ooh. quite the can of worms here because <laughs> um so basically i'll give you my version of events and i'll let renfrey give you his version of events and people are already sort of sniggering because they know what we're both going to say um off the back of shogun i think you remember they released in waves which i thought was mm-hmm. a great record um that was just before you left i think uh you probably were basically checked out at that point but i thought in waves was i think we were reading waves on the old metal hammer podcast and i said how good it was I'll stand by that i think it's a really really good record they then went and worked with david drayman oh, really yeah. on the fo- so that kind of that kind of crusade thing that happened and it was like trivium have blown it they kind of released two albums after that that made people go oh maybe they haven't and then they went and released with uh, they did a, an album with David Draymond, which was pretty forgettable, pretty rubbish to be honest. Probably I would actually think the Crusade is better than that record. And then around this time in 2015, they released Silence in the Snow, which is a kind of power metal Iron Maiden style, all singing bombast power sort of record a lot of it was down to the fact that matt fucked his voice up so he couldn't scream anymore so it was meant to be more kind of heavy metal all that kind of stuff um it's not a great record at all it's quite a bad record in fact actually so it's a pretty bad record um at that point i was like that's two albums back to back that have been bad um and they they'd lost like three drummers oh, really the other drummer kind of, went um yeah yeah, and then another one went and then another one came in. So they've had like four drummers this decade. But then in 2018, when most people, I think, had kind of, most kind of people that weren't, you know, just sort of those obsessive Uber fans had kind of thought, well, you know, Trivium, it was great while it lasted, but they're probably not going to get anything that's going to be ascendancy level. They put out the sin in the sentence, which was just a huge, huge return to form. Fucking great record. They played the main stage at Download, um, just below Slipknot and Deantward and were brilliant. They played the, the headline, the Metal Hammer tour with three really, really exciting, brilliant cutting edge bands and they more than held their own and they were absolutely fantastic. And as we speak only a few months ago, they've just released an album which may well be the best album, may well be the best or second best album okay. that they've ever I'll done. Check it out. Um, and they are hugely i think hugely hugely back on form and it's their their career has been so interesting but they're in a really really great place like i mean the last two records are permanent fixtures in my 
listening habits. Um, I, I'm a big advocate of trivium i think they're fucking great um even with and and they're one of those ones that even their mistake their missteps make them more interesting than just i think me and renfrey said before a band who like someone like kill switch engage who just released the same album over and over and over again it's got to the point where it's like oh yeah you know what you're gonna get a kind of decent or half decent or quite good version of the same thing whereas trivium haven't done that and i think that's why i i respect and like them so much Renfrey doesn't quite think that though. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, um, there's an awful. I'm sitting here in silence because there is actually an awful lot that I agree with with both of you in terms of trivium. I certainly think they're in the best place than that they, than they've ever been in in a way. They're not quite at the hype level um, after ascendancy, but but in a way, they're in an even better position than that because hype can go away as quickly as it comes, um, and it feels like this has been built up over a period of a couple of years more so so that feels a bit more stable i also agree that matt heafy um uh, yeah approaching it like a business and like the guy he's really got his head screwed on i think early 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 days of trivium they were a little bit like hey drink blah 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 and but they were 17 but like they he, played the board they played borderline on like a road exactly. runner tour and and matt had to come with his dad exactly um yeah <laughs> who's also a really nice guy wow. um and who he learned a lot from mm. um but because they were so young um so they had so much time to learn um so they were like up and running like on it by age 23 whereas you know a lot of other bands yeah. hit 30 and only then sort of really start to behave themselves yeah absolutely yeah they they had those hedonistic days but they were done with them pretty quickly and then they just really got on it and really got serious. Um, I guess the key thing with my feelings on uh, Trivium is I've just never liked them as much as most humans. Other, uh, metal critics like them. Uh, yeah, yeah, most other humans. I I don't mind uh, Trivium at all. I, Steve sort of brought this up because there was quite a split uh, on the feelings on the new record, even though we would probably both agree that it is probably their second best record. Uh, I just I'm just not a massive Trivium fan, so there are. There are issues I have with them, but I, you know, but I, I'm very. I think it's wicked their the success that they're I think is stuff. They seem. To I think as well. It. What I really like is is the Matt and Corey relationship. That they're almost a bit like a sort of a cartoon. Is that Matt's really into Siggy Ross and you know cinema scores and um, gets a lot of his inspiration for outside of of metal. Whereas Corey would basically just listen to death albums like and Testament until until that's just it. Just one cd round and round and round yeah his ears fell off mega yeah. that's it i've got got my four testament albums sometimes i listen to sodom end of playlist <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true. insulting you know, and i know um, it's probably not yeah. sure i'm exaggerating but to uh i just i like that that comes together and that's what you get is kind of um like straight mm. up knuckle dragon deathy thrash um, and and nuance and subtlety and sophistication layered on top. And I think that's their their skill. And obviously now I know um, he'll probably unfollow me for such a, a mean comment. <laughs> when was the last time you checked Twitter? You were probably oh, still working mean on Twitter. I meant my tweets. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh God! When do we tell him about that? <laughs> oh yeah, I know. We've got mates. <laughs> We've got some really bad news about MySpace. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was Bloodstock. Uh, Parkway Drive released the album Aya, which again was a pretty, after sort of four albums of, four or five albums of pummeling metalcore, 
um, was something quite different. I asked you to listen to the song Vice Grip, um, only because when I first heard Vice Grip, I went, eh? what? Uh, what did you think of no. that, Gil? Did you get a chance to listen to that? <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, anyway, it sounds like Iron Maiden. Sounds like Iron Maiden, basically. Um, Faith and the More released a new album, um, which was great to have a new material from them. The Foo Fighters headlining slot at Glastonbury got cancelled after Dave Grohl fell off the stage and broke his ankle. So Florence and the Machine stood in. You probably oh, knew Oh, all over that, that yeah. Uh, oh, no. I thought everyone... I live in Norwich, part, Steve. Enough. I live um, in Norwich. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's closer to the Glastonbury than we are. No, in what geography? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> if you turn the world upside down... I still don't yeah, think it is. But. Still isn't. Um, but that brings us to 2016 and our first record of 2016 um, that we're going to talk about. And our second record overall is Black Peak's debut album, Statues, the debut from the Brighton Bass Quartet, which was released on the 8th of April 2016, the same day as Gore by Deftones. Um, for a little bit of background, this actually finished ninth on the Metal Hammer Album of the Year list that was topped by Magma by Gojira and 44th on the much worse Kerrang list, which was topped somehow, somehow by Revolution Radio by Green Day. For fuck's <laughs> sake. Um, I and Renfrey as well were well aware of this band due to their some um, murmurings about Black Peaks previous to this record coming out and the success of the opening track glass built castles um which has become a real anthem for them but gil i'm very interested to know your thoughts on this record and for you to guess as to why maybe we picked this record uh, i don't know why you, i don't know why you picked it um other than i guess that you think i'd like this am i right well that isn't why oh, we picked it because no. i did i love but it i on. love it this is this is totally oh, me in a nutshell. Like it's Jeff Buckley, um, at Lexus on Fire, kind of like sweet, like delicate vocals, but then kind of like you know buzzsaw hardcore, um, and then some like sort of kind of chill, kind of post hardcorey bits, um, and and then it's it's super dynamic, right? It takes these peaks and troughs, and it's um, uh, like again those elements of kind of and so I watched you from afar and things like that um, in there. I just um, and also teeny bit kind of mathy like animals as leaders scale the summit um almost mars volta-esque uh sort of bits in there i just mm -hmm. i really loved it and and that's i think probably quite predictable because it's just it's alexis that kind of groove for me i, I loved it I thought it was awesome well the so reason we picked it is because both we, I, it was a boy, Renfrey, you were going to, I think you're going to congratulate Gil on a very good review there, weren't you? A, fa a fantastic review, but also just to say some really interesting parallels to bands there. Some that I think we would have um, picked up on and some maybe less so. I, I, the, uh, hmm. the Alexis one is particularly interesting to me because you're not a massive Alexis fan, are you, Steve? Do you hear the no. Alexis Black Peaks thing? Because I understand well, where not you're coming from, Gil. Not really, because I don't really <laughs> listen to them, so I okay. don't really even okay. know what <laughs> they right. sound like. All right, so, dud question. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the reason we picked this is this was both mine and Renfrey's favourite record. Right, okay. Um, yeah, it both, in our kind of critics list, we both gave this the record of the year. And we kind of picked it as well because I think we mentioned, I mean, I, I teased the Marmosets thing, but really in 2016, British rock music had this incredible resurgence and Black Peaks for me are the... The, they're the standout band from that school of 
a lot of really kind of interesting, very diverse, brilliant bands that came from that particular period. I think the other thing that's interesting about Black Peaks is that they were on a major label. They supported Deftones at Wembley and they were getting daytime radio play on Radio really? One. Are they still around? Did it last mad, for right? them? Are they still doing stuff? Did they grow? Are they just fade to obscurity? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, 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 they didn't. I mean, they, they've not really got to the point that they're much bigger than... And what were they meant to be doing? So they released another album uh, in 2018, which is, I'd say, just as good. And probably... It's probably a more accomplished record. Um, but even though I still, like... As a my, this is my personal favorite, and I think Renfrew, you're the same. Yeah, this is yep. this is our kind of. I have a very very personal sort of strong connection to it, but I do think the second album is a far is not far more, but a more accomplished version of this. It's a you know a quite it's a very very difficult record, and it's put them even further ahead of their contemporaries in this game as well. Um, they were they, due, they were have, due to play either. Uh, Scala so electric or ballroom. electric ballroom, electric ballroom, uh, just yeah. before COVID hit, and they were due to headline. So, so they, you know, on their second album, they can headline the electric ballroom, which for a kind of British band playing this quite challenging type of music, I think is pretty good. They've also had a lot of problems because Will, their frontman, has suffered with some illnesses, which I think has sort of stalled their momentum a little bit, unfortunately. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's fair to say that. Yeah, but I, I, I genuinely think they're the sort of band that 10 years from now we could still be talking about um, and could, you know, it it doesn't always happen immediately. And I think they're, they're one of the bands. There's a lot of good bands that came up from that period, but certainly for me, Black Peaks are the band. They're the band that are going to, you know, to stand the test of time. Certainly if one band are, this would be the band. All right, well, let's put another podcast that. in for 10 years time and we can see if that, comes to pass it's so it's it's my it was my favorite album that you gave me Mm. that's good um so you like that's that's excellent news i'm curious to know if you're surprised that uh for example the first song on the record glass built castles um would regularly appear on daytime radio one is that a surprise to you yeah I mean, it is. It's. I'm not sort of mind blown. There was a story um, the year that I uh, that I left London um, that the the controller of Radio One uh, took like three days holiday and literally listened to Radio One all day for three days and went, "This is awful. It's so repetitive. It's very needs not very much stuff on here. I want to bring all of the what do they call the B and C playlists. I want them all on. There's going to be one playlist." And I only remember it because one of my absolute favourite bands, Exit 10, um, who I, I still listen to, yes. I loved Exit 10. Um, they got play on. They well, got play on. They're doing the O2. They're doing the O2 now. Exit 10. They're big enough to, they, they sell out the O2 like three or four nights on the trot, don't they, Renfrew? Don't you bastard. I knew it. I could see it in your face. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't tease That's him. so Don't cruel. Tease him. Sorry, um, go on, go on. But yeah, so <laughs> Exit Exit 10 got on the on the Radio One playlist. So I remember it from that time that there was a real push yeah. um for bands like Bring Me, Architects, etc. to get on um, you know, to be on I mean it's pretty it's still pretty um pretty gnarly stuff for uh you know people who have Radio One on in the shop um to have that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty hectic. Wow. That was my favourite song, by yep. the way, that one. Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, 
anyway, uh, so there you go. Yeah, Black Peaks kind of started the year. Um, Ramstein, the the end of Black Sabbath, and uh, Exit Ten headline <laughs> download. No, it wasn't Exit Ten. It was it was um, Iron Maiden actually headline. Iron Maiden um, sub headline by Nightwish. A lady Gil. in now, metal. We haven't really what. <laughs> <laughs> we should ask her about that. What's it like? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. We haven't really touched on this yet, but the the rise of sort of symphonic metal, um, which had been bubbling for a while, and power metal, uh, it kind of happened towards the midpoint of this de- this last decade. Shocked at the, the the you know the fact that Nightwish can sell out Wembley Arena. I guess not. You know, you think of um, you think of if when you compare like bringing your daughter to the slaughter in 1990, when you compare that to Cowboys from Hell or even Painkiller by Judas Priest suddenly Iron Maiden sound kind of like a pop rock band. And that is, I think, Mm. um, so you have these sort of different strands of it. So Dragon Force, um, metal as as that is, you go, yeah, like that's just sort of the the poppy, super accessible uh, end of that spectrum. Um, Not everyone needs to listen to uh, um, Immortal uh, or Ishan, you know, to day in, Mm. day out. Um, and, and Dragon Force, you can see being in someone's compact disc collection, uh, along with things like Airborne and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I mean... I'm glad you've picked two bands who have basically vanished yeah, off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> in Dragon Force and Airborne, really? two bands. Are they, are they gone? If anyone who's only... St- well, the, the thing is, they're not gone. I mean, they're I think Dragon Force have had about... They've had about three different singers, haven't they, since uh, Airborne, uh, not Airborne, sorry, Dragon Force. Airborne have just continued to An write ACDC slightly. Yeah. Not, I mean, they're up to their, like, they're up to their, like, sort of flick of the switch version of ACDC at this point <laughs> where, they, you know, they're, they're just doing what they did, but it's not, it's not like, oh, wow, this is like Highway to Hell. It's more like, oh, well, this is like fly on the Blow wall. up your video. Yeah, Control-C, you know I mean? Control-V, so, Control-C, Control-V. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's not very good. And yeah, Dragon Force just got a new Zippy. singer. And um, oh, he's gone. <laughs> Who's the new singer then? Did I say Adam the Lambert? Mark. No, <laughs> it's Mark. Mark. Mark Hudson. I think his oh, name is. I can't is. fucking remember. I don't. Know. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> he, he switched yeah, off and he's jealous. Think you know about metal? We don't obviously don't care about metal. We don't even know who the Dragon <laughs> Force singer yeah, is. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, trolls. Um. Uh, Nightwish have become very hey nonny nonny now. Become? Um, are we allowed to say that? <laughs> well, well, even more so, would you say, Steve? Yeah, I, say, yeah. Really. I mean, the last one was very folky, and uh, the, they had they had um, Richard Dawkins um, on the album before that as a twenty six minute long song narrated. I mean, by Richard I love Dawkins. Richard Dawkins, but that's just. Mm. It's just what a strange thing to do. I know it was a bit of the rage because there was mm. Christopher Lee guested on a uh, a Rhapsody album. The the yeah Christopher Lee did oh, his the own Charlemagne album, album. Yeah. again. It just it's like yeah. you know when everything like on a podcast, every, everyone's talking. Well, you're like, can everyone just shut up, sit down, and just stop what you're doing? Christopher Lee, just sit down, shut up for a second. Italian power metal band, you just shut up and sit down for a second. Oh, and breathe. Right, now everyone behave themselves. No one talk to Richard Dawkins and invite him to do... It's just silly. It's silly. 
you've run out of songs to write <laughs> well, if you're inviting an evolutionary biologist and Cambridge Don to talk for 26 minutes on a song. Well, if you think that's silly, Thomas, the uh, the the mastermind behind Nightwish, also released a solo album, which was a concept album based on Scrooge No, he McDuck, didn't. And I'm Exit not making 10 that headlined he did, two more than that. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm not making it up. Did DuckTales, a power metal version of I'm DuckTales. I'm not joking. I think maybe I've run out of oxygen in this room. This is a strange dream, isn't it? <laughs> just just say back to yourself what you just said to me, that Thomas Thingybob from Nightwish I know. did a concept album on Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales. Out of all of the stuff... Yeah, I just, he did. It's like Charlie Brooker. It's like a... a, a <laughs> It's like a black mirror. I've fallen into black mirror. That actually happened. I'm not even making it up. That no, he's not here with Art Attack. It's Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is uh, Reading Festival. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Fallout Boy, um, and Biffy did a joint headline in one day, and Foles and Disclosure headline. Anthony Kiedis was like, "Who's Biffy? I'm not fucking doing that." <laughs> Um, <laughs> Twisted Sister, Mastodon and Slayer headlined Bloodstock. Pretty good. Uh, and Axel Rose, this is one you might not have heard of, ACDC toured, but yeah. with Axel Rose with a broken ankle sat on a gold Again, throne. Again, like DuckTales. I don't um, know what's weirder. Like that, like Axel Rose sitting on a throne with a, with a broken leg, singing and fronting ACDC. Uh, it's just... Whole lot of Rosie. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I, it's just the <laughs> oddest. Just odd. It, you, you've all lost your minds. At least I can rely <laughs> on Progressive House to be really predictable and boring. <laughs> but do you know the crazy thing? That's not the People crazy thought thing. It was absolutely amazing. Well, well, people thought it was brilliant. People thought Axel fronting ACDC was absolutely amazing. And he'd been pissing about, I'm sure you recall Axel and friends pissing around for years and years and years, Chinese democracy, yada, yada, yada. Um, and uh, yeah, it seemed to be this thing was what made Axel yeah. pull his, you know, pull his finger out and start uh, cooperating, he I suppose, cooperating with his... Uh, with his he, um, Axel Rose, I remember the classic story um, of the pro and the problem with, with Axel Rose and ego and having someone who's always said yes to you is Axel Rose was in a conversation, I think, with, um, uh, you know, some some manager at some do. Um, and Axel Rose said, you know, the problem is that my money, my manager's misspending my money. You know, we're losing money and uh, you know can't get the record done and, um, and it's mismanagement of our cash and so on. Um, and the manager said to him, well, you know, I, I don't stand for that. I work with Motley Crue or some other band and they want to spend that money, but I, you know, I'm, you know, run it well and I've saved them money and I've saved them this much of this. Um, and Axel went, fine, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to fire my manager. So we find his manager. I know this sounds a bit like a joke. Steve's looking at me like I've made this up as some Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman, Axel Rose joke. No, I'm wondering if it's the same story that I've told on this podcast about okay. Axel Rose before, and it's, before, you know, so he, he says, right, I'm going to hire this new manager because um, he's going to keep the money in the, in the, um, uh, in the company, keep keep my money. And um, so, you know, three days in, Axel goes, right, I want KFC. I want to book a helicopter to go across the road to get me it. And the manager goes, no, that's exactly the thing that you're doing. You're spending your money on silly stuff. He says, right, you're fired. And then we just went back off and, and, and continued to spuff his life away, recording a terrible album over 14 years. 
Um, but the thing I was going to finish to say is that you're right, Renfrey, that rings true, is that Axel doesn't respect anything or anyone that's beneath him, and that's most people in his mind. But ACDC is kind of hallowed ground. You treat that with respect, and so you behave yourself. You don't you know, have your evil Svengali in an oxygen tank um, just off to the side of the stage. You get on stage at the right time and you sing the fucking songs. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm glad, because it's a waste. Axel Rose, for fuck's sake, it's a waste to not have him singing. I agree. Well, we'll we'll get we'll on to Axel Rose a little bit later as well. Yes, um, we shall return to Axel okay. Rose. Yes, we shall in turn to Axel Rose. But um, we want to talk about our third record, which is Zelenada's "Devil Is Fine." Now, this was in, initially independently released by the Swiss musician Manuel Ganyu on his own label. Um, Zelenada were actually, as a band or as a project, was inspired um, by Manuel after he went on um, Nurgle's favourite right-wing shithouse forum, 4chan, uh, to ask people to suggest two genres of music and he would make a song from it. That's something he did a lot. Some asshole on it um, said black metal and N-word music. Um, Manuel took that idea and ran with it. Hence, this was the... Um, genesis of Zelenada. Um Devil is Fine actually got a proper release in early 2017. And at that point, everyone from Tom Morello and Slash went fucking crazy for it, tweeting about how brilliant it was. He ended up supporting Prophets of Rage. Prophets of Rage, by the way, Gil, are um, the musicians from Rage Against the Machine, fronted by Chuck D from Public Enemy and Be Real from Cypress Hill. Uh uh, and, and and their their new material was terrible um uh, and <laughs> and i actually saw i think you did as well renfried um Zionada's second ever gig at a completely sold out underworld um massive hype around this it ended up being fifth on how uh, metal hammer's album of the year list never made it onto it, that was in 2017 it never made it on to kerrang's album of the year list in 16 or 17 but still Zionada were the hot tip um for that little tiny period um so yes what do you think of devil is fine i vaguely remember um this from years ago someone saying or oh, someone's done this project and, and you know how they uh, how it's come about um i'd never listened to the whole album and um i'll be honest it it's just a, it's a bit silly like it i just i just think it's too <laughs> interesting to be any good it's you know, who's listening to it who goes i'm, I'm gonna do you both really you us. listen to this a lot both of us both of no, us no you both don't of us love it love yeah. this band both yeah. of us love this band i found yeah. it i've got this on vinyl i, just, I, I love thought it. it was kind of just art metal it was too distracting it was it just it didn't it didn't hang together for me um yeah, I have to say I was not I was not wild about it. I mean, obviously, end the podcast now if we if this right. means that I've I've kind of <laughs> failed to get through this episode of nightmare. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's the strangest well, say- music I've ever heard. I mean, you know, xylophones in it. There was a, oh. there was a track on there that sounded like the S- South Park theme tune. I, I mean, <laughs> sac- sacrilegium sacrilegium three, the like the plonky ambient one. I just didn't know what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's interesting. And a German guy with a tux on reading some like thing in German. Eh? Yeah, there's. 
I listened to the album. This I found is... it on YouTube. Had to listen to like fucking like sanitary towel adverts in between every song. Slightly, slightly spoiled the mood. Um, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I discovered the wrong track. But there was like a there was like a fat guy in a tux reading in German while the band sort of played around in the background. Yeah, good. So um, always love no a silence idea. after something I've said. Anyway, let's shall we move on? <laughs> So you see, the, uh, a lot of people like this band. Um, the last time I saw mm. them at a, a headline show, they'd sold out well in advance Electric Ballroom, um, yep. which might be a surprise for a band who could appear on the surface this gimmicky, mm. maybe. Is that a surprise? Yeah, it is. Girl? Although, is it the longevity, right? I think it's the longevity. It's really interesting. As someone who likes metal and lots of different types of music, it's really interesting to listen to. But I find it's it's um, it's it's quite hard work to listen to, and I'm lazy. Oh yeah. Well, here's what I will say. Um, their second album came out in 2018, Stranger Fruit. Now, for me, that is a far better record. That took a lot less of. I mean, I remember seeing him live and going, "He's not quite getting the black metal bits right, but the bluesy bits." The kind of you know the kind of chain gang bits are sound great when they're done in this kind of very dark atmospheric way and i think he's quite cleverly rather than try to you know mix all of these things into this big pot i think he's he's sliced he's you know he's he's cooked the pie and he's sliced it into the right amount of pieces so the bluesy parts of this band now make up i would say kind of 65 maybe 70 percent of their sound and all the other things are kind of the color do you know what i mean are the kind of uh the nuances and it, uh, you know for me as i said stranger fruit is a far better record than devil is fine because of it but devil is fine was this massive explosion of you know like oh my god i've never you know it's rare in to get a thing in metal and go i've never heard anything like yeah this yeah i agree in 2017 you know to get something and go, I've never heard anything like this before. Um, and I think that's why yeah, people were so excited about it. I think um, uh, it's also worth bearing in mind as well that uh, Manuel had absolutely no idea how big this thing would hit. And Devil is Fine, the record we gave to you, is no more than a demo, really. Um, and Stranger Fruit, I think in many ways, he almost sees Stranger Fruit as the debut um, because it's uh, such a step up in terms of production and the um, ambition and yada, yada, yada. So that might be worth bearing in mind as well, that he never expected this to have a commercial release at all. Hence it sounding a little bit demo-y in places. But I mean, I like, I like demo-y. I had this whole sort of a diatribe on, um, mm. you know, the way that modern bands, contemporary bands record is, you, you know, you do your scratch recording, you all perform it. And then everyone goes in on a different day to record their part. And then they do a bunch of different takes and you take the bits that work and then you quantize it, you bring it all together. And actually the performance isn't there. If you're a lover of like Hendrix, Zeppelin and so on, that's, you know, four people, three people in a room recording a song and maybe it's a vocal overlay. Um, and so it is people performing. It's, ca it's I completely that agree moment. with you. Whereas, um, you know, you take mm. uh, Death Magnetic and that's not. That's not for people in a room recording um, a moment in time. You're hearing this kind of assembled, you know, infinite bits being brought together. And that's fine. There's a place for that. But I also really like hearing s some musicians play in a room uh, all at one moment. And that's what you hear. 
well i guess devil is fine is not that either is it because he did everything no. basically so this yeah. is a bedroom this is like a, a soundcloud bedroom project thing that he made so he would have done the bass and the vocals and you know all this stuff and you know a hell of a lot of creativity has gone into it and i think they become a far better band but yeah um i'm not sure what happens to zealand either next i mean i think there are a lot of again the black metal purists were like wow why is a black man playing yeah. black music when our mute um and a lot of people also accused him of cultural appropriation saying you shouldn't be playing kind of um delta blues style music alongside people are this. clever so, though aren't they you know uh, all, yeah people are brilliant um people really think this thing this sort of thing through so that was zealand Arda. another record which is kind of um not a billion miles away from that that we gave you was Meredites by Mirka. Um, so this is released on the 15th of September, 2017. We'll go through 2017 in a minute, but the second album from uh, the Danish singer songwriter, Amelie Brown, AKA Mirka for her dark folk meets black metal project. Um, this was 35th on Kerrang's album of the year list, a list that was topped by employed to serves, Warmth of a Dying Sun, which is a great record, by the way. Uh, it actually finished second on the Metal Hammer Critics' Choice list behind Mastodon, Emperor of Sand. But it did win the Golden God for Album of the Year at the Metal Hammer Awards in 2018. Um, I saw Mirka at uh, Hellfest in France in 2018 when I first heard M, which is her debut record. And I listened to M and I thought, this is interesting, but I don't really know what this is. Uh, it made a bit more sense to me when I saw it live. I never really got into this album, um, but then seeing it live, I really did like it a lot. But it's certainly representative of something which has become a very big facet of the heavy music scene over the last sort of five years or so. Very interested to hear what you think about this. I don't know that I had anything particularly interesting to say about it, other than it's it's it, you know if if you'd have said like make a bunch of predictions about what's going to become huge, you know the trajectory of stuff, you know Nightwish within Temptation, it just the the potential for that, particularly on a European level, it's just huge. So where are you going to take it? Well, you're going to make it um, you know a bit of sort of ambienty, folky stuff, and it's you know going to have a lady singing, and it's. Um, I, I guess it was a little sort of inevitable that it was going to go that way. And what else did they bring in? I, there was a real gothy, but like original sort of 80s gothy kind of um, element to it. I remember I bought a compilation album called Goth's Paradise. It was all this sort of European, like, basically sound like Clamad. You know, Clamad are like Penny Whistle, Irish band. <laughs> and, and it just sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you know, you, you can push at the boundaries and you just end up just with a sort of a mess or it just being... Um, it's something that doesn't 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 necessarily hang together. I mean, I thought it was it was all right. Um, uh, it was sort of interesting. I, it wasn't totally predictable, right? It was something new. That's what I'm saying. It was something new that I hadn't heard before. Um, it's okay. I'll be honest. By by the end of it, mm. um, I think I suspect I was still writing healthcare articles about Guam. But um, uh, I just I just sort of wanted it to end by 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 the end. And the and the video for Ulvinda, like she's sort of on a beach, covered in sort of ink. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, I could, I didn't, I didn't think it was fantastic. Um, but I, you know, if it's in that within temptation kind of vein, I can see that people want something a bit more interesting than, uh, just symphonic lady singy metal. Well, it's certainly, I've never heard it compared to within temptation or anything like that before. Um, 
it's definitely a sort of again you know black metal fans got pissy about Mirka and she got loads of death threats she ended up supporting smashing pumpkins at wembley arena i believe that me and renfrey saw the reformed yeah. smashing pumpkins which is an interesting show um renfrey you love this don't you i really like this record yeah and it's not usually in my wheelhouse i suppose you could call it folk metal sort of uh i kind of understand where you're coming from with the within temptation thing although again that's not usually my kind of thing and then there are the black metal elements in there as well which again not my kind of thing so it's sort of mixing three or four things together that i don't tend to like but somehow the way this is packaged together i just really really dug it um i was at the independent at this time and i put it eighth in my albums of the year um and i but i can't really put my finger on why i like this but I don't like Nightwish. I don't think it's, they're exactly the same. It, but, it's definitely you know. a rich album, right? Like, you know, it keeps going. I, I mean, I've put some notes down here. There's one sort of maybe like six, seven tracks in. It's got that kind of Nine Inch Nails guitar, uh, piano kind of sound, almost like the, the Ghosts um, thing that, mm-hmm. that that Trent did. Um, so it, it, it wasn't repetitive. It, it explored lots of different things. So there, there's lots to get your teeth into in there. Um, so I could I could hear that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things. If you go back to when you were still writing at Hammer, you're working at Hammer Gill, like Ancient Wisdom were a band, right? That they was, you know, that we were told that Ancient Wisdom were this fucking incredible. You know, that was proper subterranean, you know, low key folksy thing. And it's oh my god, this band are amazing and blah blah blah. And I remember listening to it and going, this is never gonna fly with metal fans. This is never, never gonna fly with metal fans. And yet. It really has. That kind of ethereal folk thing has become a very, very prominent part of it. It's not a kind of novelty, you know, oddity anymore. It's it's as much, you know, the fabric of sort of Metal Hammer as... I don't know, metalcore or whatever. It certainly fits subculturally. This is one of the things that really interested me was that the objection to bring me in architects and that sort of stuff was that it subculturally wasn't in the sort of Teutonic black T-shirt, long hair, earthy, pagany kind of thing. The, the, The music and the beliefs and the atheism and so on all had to be part of this whole package. And that if you weren't into any one of those bits, then you you couldn't be in you couldn't be in the scene. You, you could, it wasn't metal, and that's really what people were saying when they were saying, you know, oh, it's not metal. Is it's not? It's somehow fallen down on some cult, subcultural rule. Um, you're not allowed to wear white t-shirts. You're not allowed to be poppy. You're not allowed to have a you know be a pretty boy. These are the things you're not allowed to do. Um, whereas um, Merca, you can see that even if it's penny whistle sort of Irish drone ambient stuff, that subculturally it fits into the Bloodstock crew um, neatly. It fits into that kind of whole world. Um, in a way that, um, in some ways, Nine Inch Nails doesn't. Mm. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, I think fundamentally, yeah, something she gets criticised for is, you know, she doesn't understand metal because she's a woman, yada, 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 you know, by the fucking idiots. And um, she clearly has an actually very, very astute understanding of metal and a very astute understanding of that subculture divide that you're talking about, which I think is something which a lot of people maybe subconsciously know, but maybe aren't consciously But, but also people don't so, like it. People yeah. who are really into metal in that way don't want to acknowledge that actually it's quite easy to do. You don't have to have been raised on Maiden and Metallica and Saxon to, you know, pick up a guitar, learn how to do it when you're 17 in the year 2010. People don't people didn't like that. 
um, and because it, it feels sort of offensive and it cheapens the, the depth of the stuff that you love somehow. Um, and um, and so, yeah, I can see that they would, you know, attack her for that. That's And that's the thing with Bring Me Their Eyes. They were like, you don't get to do this. Young young people with floppy hair don't get to do the thing that we do. Almost literally like in a cultural appropriation kind of thing. Um, and so, and ultimately a good metal album is a good metal album. If you can separate yourself from um, what it means subculturally, if you can just listen to something. I did this at Bloodstock. I took Bring Me The Horizon um, on headphones, on a, on a Discman, and played it to all of the people who were... Oh, that yeah, was and you. I played it to Alexi Leho, um, Bottom, and and the guys from... Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Immortal, but it was one of those kind of bands... I played it to, yeah, open, um, I and all of them were like, yeah, this is heavy. I love this. It's brilliant. And then I showed them the picture and went, it's these guys. And they were, I say they all, many of them are, ugh, ugh. You know, Alexi Leho's response was just embarrassing um, to sort of say, yeah, this is brilliant. And then see a picture of them and go, oh, I've changed my mind. It's awful. It's terrible. It just, it just, I, I, that's why I really disliked that. This idea that everything had to be everything all at once. It wasn't just the way that it sounded. It was who you were in that that band it's, it's identity politics bs but there you go yeah yeah i agree Absolutely. um i listened back to this i had listened to it for a little while because i never really got into it um i think there are some really good moments on it and i actually think it's a decent record it's no more than a decent record surrounded by there are records of this ilk or that are kind of vaguely uh related to this kind of thing that i think are superb i don't think this is quite as good as some of those records um that's just my opinion you've probably heard me say that before um let's talk about the rest of 2017 system of a down aerosmith and biffy clyro headline download why are biffy clyro headlining download they've only done it five times before since the festival first started they've got no right being there whatsoever have they renfrey no absolutely not it's a travesty. How dare a band that have sub, subbed Metallica and played since the very, very first incarnation of the Download Festival think that they are welcome there in the year 2017. Steven Ridiculous. Tyler was like, who? Um, I suspect I suspect I'll just <laughs> DJ for two hours then, if that's going to be... <laughs> yeah. Um, Kasabian, Eminem and Muse headlined Reading. I really feel like we're getting the full story of Reading just yet. I went that year. Deary me. Um, Amonomath, Ghost and Megadeth, headline Bloodstock. Yeah. How do you feel I, about I that? I probably could have guessed those three in exactly that order if you'd have said guess who headlined Bloodstock in 2017. Well, we'll do next year. We'll, we'll oh, do I've given it a bigger year, now, haven't I? Yeah. Yes, we'll do the we'll do the next one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking have that. I'll guess that. Yeah, go on then. Um, Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington both passed away very sadly um, and uh, the reformed once in a lifetime tour with Guns N' Roses did its first UK shows I saw them at the London Stadium and it was absolutely fucking brilliant and I say that as someone who is a fair to middling Guns N' Roses fan I'd like it to see fantastic. them and they turned up they, they turned up on time and were great. Really great. You saw it as well, didn't you, Renfrey? You're I'm a massive Guns N' Roses I'm fan. I'm a massive Guns N' Roses fan. They are the band that got me into rock music. So they mean fucking everything to me, pretty much. And um, it, I felt like I'd been waiting for it my whole life, more or less, and it didn't let me down. It was, it was fucking magical. It was fucking magic. It was wonderful. 
surprised by that review of uh, Guns N' Roses in the year 2000? I suppose it can go either way, right? You know, so um, mm. Faith No More came back and they were absolutely fantastic. That could that could have gone either way. Um, Motley Crue reformed and I was waiting a long time for uh, Motley Crue to reform and, and to, to come back and play the UK. And that definitely could have gone either way. It's funny because we were both waiting for Motley Crue to go away. for a Rough, with, rough with the smooth. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I saw Velvet Revolver in 2004, um, and, uh, and interviewed Slash and Duff on that. And they just, I know that's obviously we're talking 10 years or more since then, but they just had so much to give. Um, and I think as well, the thing that Slash in particular, um, mm. just loves to play. He just loves to play. So he'll play with Cypress Hill. He'll go and cover Night Train with Avenged yeah. Sevenfold. He just loves to play. So it's not quite the same as, you know, even Motley Crue who are doing it as kind of business decision. Um, so I know there's a lot, a lot of passion in there. I mean, I can't really speak for Axel, but uh, was Matt Sorum on drums? Well, not no. Stephen Adler. Some other guy. No, no. Some some, some, some guy called uh, Brain. Brain. He does have an actual name, but right. his nickname's okay. Brain. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> like 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 the enemy in Teenage Mutant and Krang. Uh, Here are Turtles. What's his name? Krang. Sorry, yeah, Krang. Yeah. That's where they got the name of the magazine from. <laughs> Shredder. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really I'm really glad. I'm really glad because I think. Um, the fury I felt when uh, when Guns N' Roses or Axe and Friends came to play uh, the Apollo and Axel was four hours late and people had flown oh, in from Scotland and what have you and people, you know, it just, it is so utterly yeah. disrespectful um, that that yeah. you would do that or think you could do that. That I just kind of, um, and Chinese democracy was such a shit show that you just sort of think Guns N' Roses becomes a sort of a, a vestige, right? It's a, it's a scar or a tattoo that was once perfect and brilliant now is all sort of blurry and you just wish you didn't even have it um not speaking from experience but um i just i sort of felt that way about um about guns and roses and that actually you were seeing more of guns and roses when you saw velvet revolver um in terms of you know they would play three or four songs on their first tour guns and roses songs and scott wyland would um would sing them and then you had sort of axel and a man with you know rubbish on his head playing uh, and you just just so yeah I, I'm, I'm happy for you Renfrey I'd love to have seen it um, I'm really glad it was mega and I hope they continue to do that and Axel sorts his life out thin yeah fingers mm. crossed yeah yeah they were they were they were very very good um so that all happened also Code Orange shook the world with the album forever although we'll be talking more about them later let's go into 2018 and start with the records that we're talking about that opened 2018, the shock release, no warning, just released, no like, hey, this is coming out, no press, just out it came on the 22nd of February, Leather Teeth by Carpenter Brute, the second album from the French synthwave leader. Now, by this point, and I'm sure this is probably, if there's something that I'm sure you didn't see coming, Gil, it is synthwave in the metal scene. A mixture of kind of black metal, John Carpenter horror film music, 80s synth, neon day glow, electro music, usually made by French stroke European artists, um, getting danced to like, you know, the, the song Maniac, Carpenter Brew ends with the song Maniac from fucking um, Flashdance and has a bunch of blokes in carcass t-shirts, disco dancing to it. 
Uh, I'm more of a fan of Perturbator, who is kind of the other one. Um, but are you Me, aware I of this stuff? I love it. I massively into synthwave and retrowave and slasher wave. Uh, loved um, Perturbator. Um, I didn't know this. Uh, I'm really surprised that you put it in because dare I say it's not metal. Um, but I just, I, I, I love it. I'm just, I'm all over it. It's, it's brilliant. Um, it's, and also it's been kind of boosted and helped by the whole Stranger Things um, sort of phenomenon that um, I now mm. see yeah. uh, almost like a genre in YouTube. If you want to listen to some synthwave or something, you put in Stranger Synths. And it takes you immediately to um, you know loads of this sort of stuff. I mean, I just I love it. It's brilliant. It's nostalgic for a time that I wasn't even listening to music, and I certainly wasn't watching terrible B movies in 1983 where Rutger Hauer's face falls off to reveal some copy decks, which is essentially what this is the soundtrack to those, as you say, John Carpenter, um, Lord of Illusion type movies. Um, but yeah, I just I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. Mm. Is it a surprise so, to you that the metal community as a whole have embraced this whole? Well, the wave? fact that they, uh, because the fact they that they wouldn't have... embrace Architects and Bring Me the Horizon, but were like, oh yeah, I'm well into synthwave. I mean, yes, I'm surprised, Renfrey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, did, I, so I was first sort of exposed to this when I went to the um, the Icelandic festival Einsteflug in 2016. Is a little tiny town. Um, at the very, very top of Iceland in the middle of fucking nowhere. And basically there was like a, a kind of a school sports hall and like a, a sort of working man's club with the two stages, right? And it was in this little village and it was headlined by Meshuggah and Opeth and uh, Marduk. <laughs> Lucky old right? you. And it... And it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and at three o'clock in the morning, I was stood in the like this sort of working man's club thing what? and perturbator came on and a bloke and, and people in corpse paint were waving glow sticks and dance. it was like it was packed shoulder to shoulder you know no social distancing it was before that um going mental and i mean absolutely batshit fucking more well, that's what working men like isn't it or yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was a proper working friends club, but it was, there was just these people in corpse paint and with like spikes on their fucking arms and stuff. So do you know what? This like raving this, this with fits, glow sticks actually, with that, this stuff. comment earlier about subculturally where it fits in is that even though it sounds like, um, you know, what it sounds like, it's, it fits in with the whole sort of metal slasher, dark um, horror movie kind of mythos. So, so it fits. Yeah. It, Aesthetic. Yeah. Mm. I mean, if you ever see um, Carpenter Brute live, uh, I, which you should, I, I think he's absolutely fucking awesome live. I love, love the live Carpenter Brute show. It's basically a live drummer, live guitarist, Carpenter Brute on his kind of his synths. And he's got loads of kind of neon pink lights, but he's also got, he's, he's made up all of these like three, four minute long slasher films that are shot like these kind of, you know, gore house gr or grind house kind of pulp films and like, you know, video nasties that he is created that are based on his songs. And it, you look at it and you go, my God, that actually, you know, it, it's that it's the same attention to detail that someone like um, 
Chris Morris has on Brass Eye when they go and do the American TV news network or whatever. It's fucking brilliant. It's so brilliant. Um, it was let me ask you on Hammer's album of the year list. We'll talk about what was number one in a minute. Let, yeah, go on. let, let me ask you, what do you think the future of this particular sort of sub niche is? Do you think it just sort of finishes? Do you think it splits? Do you think it, re- you know, that other more mainstream bands start to adopt it? What's the future of this little sort of sideline? Um, well, he's, I mean, I interviewed Carpenter Brute uh, when he played the, he's had, he sold out the forum. So he's got quite big over here. Um, and he was talking about working with Chino Moreno, working with, he, he remixed um, a ghost song. He did a remix of a ghost song. So they're right on in it. And I think, you know, as well, I know James Kent, who is Perturbator a little bit as well. And we've had a few chats where he's like, oh, I'm going to add a full band. I think he's got a live drummer now. I've not seen him for a little while, but I think he's got a live drummer now. He's talking yeah. about turning it into a live band. So I think it's one of those things that starts off a bit like any sort of bedroom you know we we're talking about Zealanda earlier and you know that's a bedroom project which has turned into something bigger i think the more people start listening to this stuff the more the broader it will become and the more their ideas and as long as people keep wanting that kind of miami vice stranger things nostalgia i just can't see people i can't really see it will go away if it doesn't change it will go away when that goes away won't it right i think you've I think I would tend and to you've, agree you've with that. Known, I can't believe I didn't yeah. sort of yeah. see it, but you're right. Basically, dance music, if it becomes popular, it goes live. So Ronnie Size is drum and bass, and you don't make that out of instruments. You make it out of samples. But when you get big enough, you go, right, let's have a live band. So Ronnie Size and Represent became a live band. Same with Bentley, Rhythm Ace, and all those big beat guys. You you add in... Um, you love that, Steve. I've met Bentley, Rhythm Ace, get their first mention on a, on a metal... And in fact, for about <laughs> 20 years... Um, <laughs> On, on anywhere, <laughs> they're, even they're surprised. Um, but you know that that you basically you turn it into a live band. It's good album, that bra. Yeah, anyone? Yeah, I, I like Bentley Rhythmace. By the way, I see it's funny that Bentley Rhythmace are going to retweet this and go, "Hey guys, thanks for checking us out." They're going to go and do their album tour. The- <laughs> But yeah, you're right. They they add live musicians into. Well, I think particularly these guys because they're yeah. such massive metalheads. I mean, James Kent used to be in a in a in a black metal band. Um, I don't. I've forgotten the guy's name. He was Carpenter Brute, but he was like a, a a metal producer. He was producing sort of metal bands in France before he actually started doing all this stuff. And they've all just sort of fallen into it. I think you know a lot of them. Like I know James uh, Perturbator in particular is very sort of. He's like I just don't like. I just didn't like working in a band where I didn't get to do what I wanted to do, but I was, I don't know the drums. And I did, so I just started fucking around with synths and seeing if I could make something out of it. And that's how it sort of started. Um, Greedy. Once it gets, yeah. Once it gets a little bit too kitchen sort of camp and, you know, a bit too zeitgeisty, I think that's when it's going to drop off a bit, but that's, that's the, um, you know, that's why the new metal musicians, that's why, you know, Deftones are still around and, you know the union underground aren't you've got to find a way to adapt i don't know the union underground Steve. as far as <laughs> you you've, out, you've oh, out you metal you're missing me. out okay or oh, soil soil <laughs> although union... soil are still around with the with their song <laughs> union underground have a song called turn me on mr dead man which i thoroughly recommend um... if renfrey was a wrestler that would be what he'd come down the <laughs> thing to, um... to the ring to 
What I do you think? Because you never listened to Carpenter Brute before, did you remember? No, this is the only one of these records that we've given to you, Gil, that I had not heard before. So I'm totally familiar with the synthwave stuff. I've uh, seen bits and pieces live. No, I've not seen Carpenter Brute live, though, which I would really like to see. Um, and I have a sort of um, mild interest in it, I would say. Um, I, I liked this. I thought it was cool. Um I'm my feeling with the synthwave scene, and I'm wondering if either of you can um, maybe uh, change my mind on this or let me know if there is a record that I'm unaware of. But I feel like there hasn't been like one record which is like the definitive synthwave album of this scene. You know, there hasn't been maybe a Jane Doe for the Boston hardcore scene or I don't know, a Black Album for that early 90s thing or whatever. And I don't know if that's true or not, but... I feel like if I heard that record, maybe that would be my entryway into it, uh, going from a sort of casual fan of it to actually really being into it. But do you think that record exists in this wave of the synthwave stuff, or does it not? Crikey, will you, if Steve, if you've got an answer, answer uh, it. If not, I'll just talk for shit for a bit. Okay, well, I mean, I would say the, the Ghost album that came out last year was, is one of the more sort of interesting records. Right. Um, I, I still think the most interesting that the album that has moved the furthest away from this is not even an album it's actually an ep technically but the new model the perturbator ep that okay. he put out which has got a, which is it's got still that kind of blade runner thing to it but i think it's much more industrial sounding and oh, cool. it's it relies a lot less on you know the sort of hooks and the that so much of this has and it's much more i think ambient and ethereal and kind of better music for it oh cool that sounds there's, like my thing. You, you end up you, you head to the yeah. other way into the more kind of cheesy and lighter stuff and you end up with this stuff called vaporwave which again if either of you are sort of aware of where you partly it's you take a, a sample like say from baker street or something and then you just synth it up and add loads of synths over the top of it and it's kind of essentially like synth chill so actually there's quite a broad um there are a number of sort of sub 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 genres and areas that are um doing sort of stuff in this universe in this synthy retro universe um but from my experience of listening to it and again i'm not in the scene but it is you're right it's interesting that that doesn't necessarily exist but i listen to dance music and, and those also just within dance music they tend not to exist you get a mix, maybe some DJ does a mix um, that becomes a sort of a seminal mix. But um, it's hard to be seminal when it's also something that's retro. How do you have a sort of a seminal moment for something that actually yeah. is in itself pastiche? Oh, that was pretentious. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. I like it, so, though. It's a good no answer. One's, no one's looking... No one's looking at the municipal waste album and going, yeah, this that's really it. I'm, I'm really, metal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking for that kind of definitive sure. second wave of thrash album. <laughs> yeah if i don't get toxic holocaust is basically as good as master of Pumps, gamma bomb it, really? let's be honest <laughs> just <laughs> yeah um so anyway, let's move on so um it was 25th the album carpenter brute on kerrang's album of the year list an album headed up by time and space by turnstile that was their number one but number one on the metal hammer albums of the year list was prequel by ghost which is the next record we're going to talk about released on the 1st of june 2018 the fourth album from the spooky swedish bastards um as i said earlier they ended that run um by playing wembley arena they'd reached a point here where they were grammy winners they've just been supporting metallica on their stadium run as 
main support and they were tipped to be future headliners of major festivals all over the world. So um, back in the day when everyone was quite, myself included, was very surprised that ghosts were on the front cover of Metal Hammer around 2010. Looks like you guys got it right back in the day. Do you remember that that time getting ghost that conversations of ghosts being on the front cover? I remember it and, you were, and I can see there. from the... Uh, the 2011 uh, Heroes of the New Metal Revolution, uh, that Ghost were, you know, hot tips at that point. Now, I'm going to be oh, yeah. perfectly honest, and I feel slightly bad about it, is I didn't listen to Ghost. I don't remember hearing it at the time. I just I just was, uh, you know, I was listening to Jungle. Um, and um, uh, so when you, when you sent... You were just spending most of your time checking if Sepultura was a new drummer. Part of my life, correctly. Um, um, <laughs> so I, I didn't. I had in my mind that they were like Watain. Um and so when I played this album, I was almost like, "Is this, is this Ghost?" It doesn't, you know, the picture of them in in my mind with the sort of Abbott um, skeleton makeup, and then what it sounded like. I was like, "This," I was mugging myself because I love it. I love That's this. Abbott. And I'm like, this is brilliant. It's like, what did I write here? Like, it's kind of a Scandi, like Cradle of Filth meets Europe. Um, this kind of super light Opeth with Rush. Like, his vocals are quite like Rush. Um, um, and I mean, I wanted to hate it. And I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. It's kind of like hair metal, basically, which is, you know, my home turf. Um, yeah. I mean, it just... Oh, and I would say, there's one thing I noticed. The, the song that's, um, uh, I don't care about dying... Da, 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 you know that one? It's Earth Song by Michael Jackson. Isn't it? What about rainbows? What about ducks? It's that one. It's the same melody. Um, and then and then they go and cover Pet Shop Boys. I'm a big Pet Shop Boys fan. That was just mental. I was like, what? What? I had to keep yeah, Googling a picture of them. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, but Ghost of the Metal Band? No. It, yeah, the whole thing was so odd. And I had to hold my hands up and say, I got it totally wrong. I should have been paying attention. They're like a, like a metal turbo negro. Um, and um, and I yeah, it was a banger. Hmm. Renfrey, do you want to put your thoughts in about ghosts? Because there's a lot to talk about there, isn't there? That's awesome that you think that. I think... Um uh a lot of people had that revelation probably just prior to you you leaving hammer and not to tell you how to do your old job but maybe if you'd listen that's to not it, how it works Renfrey. 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes i mean if you like this album you will like their entire discography this isn't like a you know they've more more or less been doing this since the beginning the first record was far more raw as you'd expect because they didn't have a budget particularly but yeah this is kind of what they've been doing yeah that that was a bit more sort of blue oyster blue oyster cult yeah you know sort of um melodic 70s rock thing um and they've just kind of got poppier and grander bit by bit kind of but you know this is fairly similar i mean for me personally i actually think this is their worst album i actually do think this is their worst album but um i think i would agree with that that sentiment by the way uh and and actually listening back to it i hadn't listened to it for quite a while and it is a really good record but i think it is oh cheers thanks you know start me off on the shit one (laughs) but but it's 
Well, the thing is, this is the most critically acclaimed one. And this yeah. is the one that turned them from a, you know, because I saw them at the end of the uh, Meliora. So Meliora was the one that came out in 2015. And at that point, obviously, I think there was there was this big hype for Ghost when they were on the cover of Hammer and the first album came out. And, you know, they went out on stage with Down at Download and, you know, all this stuff. And people are like, who are they? Who are this, this weird band? And they played the Golden Gods and stuff. And they headlined Brixton Academy alongside Gojira, The Defiled and Feed the Rhino. Um, for a £5 ticket, that Jägermeister tour. Do you remember that? That was 2000 and... I want to say 2012, 2013. 2013, 2013 it was. Yeah, I was there. Mm. And they really... I mean, Gojira just ripped everyone a new arsehole that day. Yeah, they yeah, really showed them up. Um, and then Ghost came back with a second record, which didn't... Which is my personal favourite, Infestesa, which I hated at the time. And it borrows a lot more from sort of ABBA melodies. There's a lot more sort of ABBA melodies and that sort of Swedish thing. Look for quite a sort of poppy thing, but also still had that very grand, arcane, um, you know, bombastic, you know, old school metal thing about it as well. Meliora came out and that sort of, I think, refined it even more. And that's great. They won a Grammy off the back of the song Cerise. Um, on that record and that's 2015 but i saw them headlining coco uh on the back of that record and then they did they brought out an ep which had um uh a cover of it was a load of covers so they had um, it was an album cover wasn't it yeah if, if if you have ghosts and um i'm a marionette i'm a marionette uh, was on there as well yeah and they got to the point where they headlined oh which, which was produced by dave grohl incidentally yeah produced so they had kind of dave grohl's patronage suddenly and they were they were sort of forum size and they were getting kind of slowly but surely getting progressively bigger but it's this album where you know they just they, they played wembley not so long back i just um, i saw them at the royal albert hall on this record it seems strange it to out. hear them that they were on stage with down i mean steve uh renfrey maybe you, you know down well mm. Give me a couple of give me a couple of like down lyrics um, that that you can call call to mind. Uh, well, I would have stoned the crow, bury me in smoke. Okay, okay so there's there's, there's a down um, lyric. Yeah, that, uh, stained glass cross. Okay, and now this is ghost. Yeah. Kiss the go go goat. He's the guy you want to do, and he wants to do you too. Satan. That's the band on stage. <laughs> down. <laughs> Mental. Well, Phil Anselmo, Phil Anselmo fucking loved them. He reps for them mm. a lot. Oh, God, do we need to talk about Phil Anselmo? We do. I was going to save that for the end, to be honest. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Phil Anselmo. Yeah, um, so, there. I mean, basically, it, Hammer's album of the year got massive, got taken on tour with Metallica, fifth in Kerrang's album of the year list. Um, it's at this point, which I think is quite hilarious, when you think the first UK show they played was an all day, halfway through the day and an all-dayer at the Underworld, some doom thing and tobias forge their lead singer um used to be in the band repugnant and i think a few of the sort of swedish death metal band um people have started calling them met metals answer to nickelback or the you know spooky nickelback, oh, nickelback is what metals answer to nickelback and people are now going oh why are you <laughs> yeah, I think, well they wouldn't count as metal mate no they're like spooky nickelback people have started calling them and all these people who are like you know knobheads who just listen to sort of Slipknot and Metallica and don't pay any attention to metal at all but are proper metal fans have suddenly found out who Ghost are 
heard them and gone they're ariana grande they've got nothing to do with metal so it's weird what you're saying about this um if the music fits but the image doesn't and you're not cultural culturally relevant but you are musically relevant you're not welcome but if you're culturally relevant but you're not musically relevant you're also in some cases not welcome if you get too big I mean, I literally saw someone on the Bloodstock forum going, who's going to be booked next? Now, Ghosts have been booked for download as uh, Bloodstock headliners. Who's going to be next? Ariana Grande. Lana Del Rey. <laughs> she wasn't available. Uh, Lana Del Rey. Oh, I look forward to seeing Lana Del Rey next year. And it's like, I don't think Lana Del Rey used to be in, like, destruction or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah, stupid thing to say. But just for a tent, the little side <laughs> tent, the new bands... Like, you know, was it, what do they call the Spooky Sophie Scarecrow Stage, Farmer or whatever that band were called? Yeah. Evil Scarecrow. <laughs> do you remember them? Well, Evil's, Evil's, Evil Scarecrow were a big, I mean, I suppose this is something we should say because in the time, your time being away, as I mentioned earlier, some sort of kitsch stuff has got big. It would have been around this time that Elstorm pulled something like 45,000 people at a festival. a festival in Canada. Elstorm are now, no, no, like a festival headlined by Avenged Sevenfold or Guns N' Roses or something. Like Avenged, Elstorm um, have become frighteningly big. That's Depressingly just, yeah, big. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, it's the sort of, it just seems like the more silly, like the sillier something is, then just the better. And, I, you know, I'm like that in most things. But I, I just, I'm surprised, and I like lots of really silly music, um, but it just seems it just seems odd. I mean, and again, tell me that something has shifted or that there's a credibility in there, um, but I'm, I'm quite surprised by that. I definitely cannot tell you that. I can't tell you that. And also, it seems weird to me for, uh, you know, so what seems like quite a humorless genre of music that will take something that's not metal down straight away. Why a bunch of blokes, like, dressed up as pirates going, ooh, ah, with plastic swords, yeah. waving them around. But being since dickers. a gay. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. Apparently. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, oh, yeah, I'm glad you like this. I mean... It's it's quite it's a good record. Ghosts are good, aren't they, Renfrew? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good band. It's it. I think in terms of the bands who are potential future download headliners, yada yada yada, they're probably our who favourite. That's fair, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Ghost. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. God, no, not Ailstorm. God, I feel a bit no, sick in my throat. Rubbish. Um, so Judas Priest came back with Firepower that year as well, which is brilliant. Um, Idols released Joy as an Act of Resistance, which obviously was a massive record. I'm wondering if you've heard, you know, are you familiar with Idols, Gil? They've kind of you, um, become you, a big crossover. You hit me up with that band. around the time. I listened to it a couple of times. I think it's really, really interesting um, and could see why it was was popular. I think it, um, yeah, I think it was fantastic um, for, for, for what it was. Really um, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Download headliners were Avenged Sevenfold, Guns N' Roses, and Ozzy Osbourne. Pretty, pretty solid lineup for that at that time, I think. Uh, Reddin was headlined by Fallout Boy, Kendrick Lamar, and Kings of Leon. Kendrick Lamar um, being, you know, comfortably the only one of those three that has anything to do with sort of modern contemporary music, um, and that's where uh, that's where Reddin is really heading 
um, especially after this. Um, all right, you said you're going to oh, guess the I was hoping you'd like gone. Skill. 2018. Um, well, if I <laughs> see if I can, uh, if I refer back to my 2011 Defenders of the Faith edition um, for, for some hints, um, I, I don't know. Was it? I don't think you'll get anything. Was there, it Lacuna Coil? Um, uh, with uh, Jex Thoth um, and uh, and um, and and the and the reformed lineup of Venom. Yeah, am I close? <laughs> not really. No, I mean Lacuna Coil. Fun. I mean you sort of Lacuna Coil's not a million miles away from Nightwish, who headlined. No. Uh, you've also got Judas Priest, so I suppose that's your Venom. And for Jex Thoth see Gojira who are headlining <laughs> slightly happier with the world that we are actually living in yeah. where those three are headlining um than the one you invented but Lacuna Coil have got really big again even with the rubbish like other blows oh, is that still happening going, it? yeah, over the top of Easter <laughs> yeah <laughs> some things never change mate don't worry um so that was 2018 into 2019 We'll start with an album that came out right at the start of that year, 25th of January 2019, the sixth album from the Sheffield deathcore turned superstar pop band Bring Me the Horizon with Ammo. Um, third on a Kerrang list, which was topped by We Are Not Your Kind by Slipknot and Tools Fear Inoculum, which finally came out in 2019. Um, Bring Me brought in the likes of Razel, Grimes and Danny Filth to collaborate <laughs> on this record together at last. They also, um, <laughs> off the back of this album, were nominated for a Brit Award for Best Band. They're fucking massive now, aren't they? Even with how big they were getting in 2011. Bring Me the Horizon. It was the one now, right? thing that I thought in... Um, before before I left, so yeah, 20, 2011 was this band could be um, you know as big as Kings of Leon type band if Ollie sang, if 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 he sang, they he sky's the limit, and or at least really, pretended well, to sing, which is what he actually then does. fair play, yeah. like Millie Vanilli nailed it um, uh, with, with that. So I <laughs> and and they they have they have done it. Like so few bands do tend to do that. Um, but they have. I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of Bring Me the Horizon. If I do listen to um, a bit of metal when I'm doing the hoovering, um, Bring Me's often in there. Um, so I was really interested to hear this. And um, I think they've made it work. I think a lot of, a lot of um, uh, cred should go to the, pro the producer, the person who brought all of these elements together and made them sort of into cohesive songs. Um, fair play. But uh, it, it, it's still... It's for it's for a generation where it's it's really erratic, you, you know. If you if you just played that in a bar, I don't think anyone would think you were listening to an album by a band. Um, it, it's so schizophrenic, which again probably suits the the generation Gen Z who listen to the first thirty seconds of a song and then skip, um, uh, and needs you know different things. Um, lots of it I wasn't wild about. It was just a bit of a bridge too far for me in some stuff. But the heavy and the sort of the metal stuff was just was great they're still you know still got that kind of swagger and heaviness that um i don't know if it's fred nordstrom still producing or even playing a role in the production but he was the guy what what <laughs> why are you laughing <laughs> no okay fine no i mean i'm assuming it's skrillex <laughs> no. or someone right 
it's the it's the, it's the Meshuggah producer. But he produced it. He produced like produced. the two good ones. I know he did. I know he did. I know he used to. He didn't produce this for fucks. <laughs> Shall I just get my coat? Oh, dear. It's like... <laughs> it's just like... that, Mate, it's just funny because they are so far gone from anything really really culturally related to... I mean, Danny Filth is on it and there's that song Heavy Metal on it. Um, but it's not... <coughs> excuse me. There's not anything really to do with metal surrounding yeah. that well, band you, again, anymore, you really, can, I can sort of hear that. Actually, I tell you what, Basically. just now you said that, it does sound almost like a, uh, a One Direction or a pop band who have put a bit of metal in, rather than the vestiges of a band who were one of the most successful heavy you know, bands in, in the UK. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the heavy metal, it's funny, I, I noted that down, the track heavy metal, where it says, you know, um, it ain't heavy metal. It's almost like that the thing that they were accused of being emo and um and, and rubbish the thing they were accused of being but never were they've actually now become a really light and poppy band with all those things in it's sort of um ironic mm. well the conversation more about than ever and become more successful mm. than ever as a result it's yeah mm. yeah Sorry, well the conversation surrounding bring me the horizon i think is a funny one because Back when you were covering them and they actually were heavy, people were going, oh, they're an emo band. They're not heavy. Uh." And they were heavy and they were heavier than the majority of the bands that those people were listening to. So rather than going, oh, we'll we'll win you over, they went, well, no, fuck it. We'll become a pop band. And pop fans like them. Pop fans really like them. Um, And they've gone away and they've done something poppy. And now the people that before were going... Oh, Bring Me the Horizon aren't a, aren't a, aren't a metal band. Are now suddenly going. Oh, look at Bring Me the Horizon. They've sold out musically. It's like, well, you you said it's yeah. like you said they weren't a metal band in the first place. You can't have a go at them for selling out if you never thought they were a metal band in the first. Well, you listen to their old stuff and it was really heavy. And it's like, oh, well, you weren't saying that at the time. You were saying that they're an emo band. Blah 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 blah. And to be honest, if I made that music and everyone went, you're not heavy. You're a pop band. I'd go, all right, fine. I'll go and write some pop songs. And they've written some pretty good pop songs. I mean, I don't think they, they, they have Jordan fish, the keyboard player now who mm. plays such a, you know, an important part in why that band sound the way they do. And, you know, I mean, you said we were talking about them on the phone the other day and you said, Oh, would Lee Malia, is he still the sort of guru? Lee Malia just sits in the corner. I playing fucking, <laughs> you know, candy crush now, I think, and occasionally comes in and plays like one, re- I reckon, you know, he probably was only there for a day. I reckon he could have got his stuff done in by lunchtime on the first day of recording. <laughs> He's not really on it at all. And that's fine. But when he is like heavy metal is an interesting one because it, you know, there's a kid on the gram in a black Dahlia tank who says it ain't heavy metal. And it's just saying, like, you know, who fuck? You know, we don't care that we're not. Like, I, I would go, all right, fuck you. We'll be a pop. If you're saying we're a pop band, we'll go and find some pop fans, and they're much bigger because of it. So, it's pretty funny. The whole thing surrounding Bring Me Horizon is is pretty funny. And people were like, how dare they make that song heavy metal? They're laughing at their fans. They're laughing at what they used to be. And it's like, yeah, because yeah, you were all comfortable. Yeah, I, so I don't know that it'll. Um, uh, I don't know that it'll trounce There Is a Hell or Suicide Season for me. Um, 
No, definitely not. Was there as a hell definitely the not. last record that you covered? Uh, was that the yeah? Sempaternal came out just after, and I did, and I do play Sempaternal um, um, as well. But I, I wasn't in the situ when it came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think the the other thing with Bring Me as well is that a lot of this sounds really zeitgeisty, and when they were doing There Is a Hell Suicide Season, and particularly on December Eternal, it felt mm. like get, we're getting they were quite cutting edge, especially in the metal scene. They were quite cutting edge. This isn't really very cutting edge. I think what you said about it being bitty. I mean, me and Renfrey reviewed it. I think there's some really good songs on it. I think there's some shit on it. I think it doesn't feel like an album at all. It does feel like a playlist. It's what we said the whole time. It feels like a, you know, uh, well, it's a Spotify playlist, schizophrenic weirdo playlist, you know? Yeah. It's just, it is a little bit of everything which is really current now. And that, that you know, I've said it a bunch of times, that song, if you're going to reference Instagram, you are dating it. We're all on TikTok. Because, you know, if you'd made a... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, yeah, it will be. You know, like if imagine if there was on the, you know, uh, who was big in sort of two thousand five, sort of six albums in. Imagine a band like Linkin Park going, "Hit me up on MySpace," and you listen to it now, you'd yeah. go, oh, "There's a kid on MySpace wearing an Exit Ten T-shirt," and you'd go, "Fucking out <laughs> that! That has really, that has really like time stamped that song." Do you know what I mean? Um, sorry to use Exit Ten; they're actually quite a good band. Um, they were. They were. But you, but but you get but you get what I'm saying. It, it kind of it's they're not thinking about the longevity of that yeah. music. They're time stamping it for right now. Get it out to people right now. And, um, and it's that's more disposable not what they were doing than this, It feels more disposable then, though, doesn't it? I, I I um. So we we I think we gave this a middling review when it came out, Gil. But yeah. like you know, and and I still stick by what we said in terms of the playlist stuff and it not being cohesive as an album. Um, but um returning to it for the first time god in probably a year um uh yesterday earlier today i was surprised and i'd forgotten how good the good bits are like when this record is good it is fucking good i've got to admit and i wonderful yeah. life and that's it so you just gotta make so mm, you just gonna make your own playlist over that's that. like four songs of sorry it. I think I suggested yeah. that during our review. I think I said, you know, <laughs> yeah. if I if I took the top six songs from this record, then I'd have a fucking incredible EP. But it's about like twenty eight songs so, long. Know, but yeah, even I was like, oh god, you know, to get to the end of my article about healthcare in Guam, um, and uh, and thinking, god, how many songs? It's thirteen. It I felt like it was. It's thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> It does feel like that, though, um, doesn't it? It does feel like it's 26 songs. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But yeah, yeah, it is actually 13. Yeah, yeah. So 2019, Tool was the Hammer album of the year. Fear Inoculum. Tool came back. So you were definitely working at Hammer the last time Tool had put an album. Well, maybe even you weren't even at Hammer. 2006 was uh, 10,000 Days. So we had 13 long years of waiting for a new Tool album. Yeah, I mean, Tool wouldn't speak to us at Hammer. They were like, nah. They spoke to Revolver in the US and that was the only bit of press they did. So fuck them. That's what they did for that's what yeah. they did for this record as well. Yeah. Chatty. That's what they did for this record. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, Def Leopard, um, Slipknot and Tool, headline downloads. The nineteen seventy five Post Malone and Twenty One Pilots as a dual headliner, and the Foo Fighters headline Reddin. Yeah. That's much more Reddin, isn't it? Post Malone, 1975, 21 Pilots. Don't know them. That's I know Foo Fighters, though. Reading, really, you feel... 
yeah, basically things I don't know. Yeah, Billie Eilish played Reading and became the big, the big. Thing I've heard of that particular year. Um, blood, Bloodstock headliners. Oh yeah, Scorpions. Oh yeah, Parkway yeah. Drive. And well, Sabaton. Um, what do you think? Well, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you, out of those three bands in this country, as we sit here, Sabaton are probably the think, biggest band of those three. Do you think they I just, I th- headline like, Wembley Arena? I feel like I, I just feel sad for the Scorpions because um, Hurricane is a better song than anything Sab- uh, Sabaton have done. So is The Zoo. Uh, so is Alien Nation. Uh, and even Wind of Change, the biggie. So, I mean, I don't know about you, Steve and, and Renfrey, but um, I still feel like Scorpions, I'd put them above Sabaton. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I feel sorry for OMC because <laughs> How Bizarre is a better song <laughs> than anything. So is the Macarena, whoever did that, Lost Lobos. I feel sorry for them as well. I feel sorry for Scatman John because everything he's ever done is better than anything Sabaton have ever done. Yet thousands of knobheads, tens of thousands of knobheads in fucking camo trousers with tank t-shirts turned up at Wembley Arena to sell out Sabaton. I saw Sabaton and they just, they it's like Roxette with a fat bloke shouting over the top I'm of just, it. I'm just, I'm just so shocked. Again, it's like, you know, Steve, when we, when we speak every so often and we do a joke, it, it's, it's like that we, we talked it up too much. We've made it happen. It's not funny anymore to say, oh, imagine, you know, oh, I was looking at the television. <laughs> I guess it was, oh, it was Sabaton, but they are now actually... A really big band. I, I need to hunt high and low for some. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have a look through the magazine to find something ridiculous that we said was going to be huge in 2011, but that hasn't become huge um, because Sabaton can no longer be the joke that we that we thought they were. So, so well, talk talk you about yourself. Still that corn are going to be quite large because we were obviously f- finger on the pulse. Well, corn, corn, yeah. Um, we got <laughs> uh, Visions of Atlantis. They obviously went on to do nothing. Uh... <laughs> you just put them in because you like Lower Than Atlantis so much that you thought that maybe they'd be similar. The old Lower That's it, Atlantis the James Gill brain algorithm that just works with similar words. <laughs> um... Um, yeah. Parkway Drive, headlining Bloodstock, though. I mean, that was... Fairly controversial as well, although Partway Driver, a heavy band. Uh, we also got a new Ramstein album. We got a Reformation from My Chemical Romance. And I was going to ask you about this, mate, because you're oh, a big yeah. fan of Let yeah, Live, yeah. aren't you? Love, and that's one of the last Live. bands you They liked. would have been one of my, again, another like ones to watch kind of potential to break through again. If if Jason did a bit more singing, just a little bit, um, that band could have just, just gone at <sighs> Stella because they were so cool. So they had yeah. that like that um, Reading alternative tent kind of appeal, mm. and they did do that as well. They released uh, two more albums after you left. The yeah. Black is Beautiful, which I think is fucking phenomenal, and the very very excellent as well. Uh, if I'm the Devil, which did take that kind of soul mm. thing that Jason was doing and made it everything they did far more palatable is a really, really great record. And on hearing it, although I did like the abrasive stuff more generally, I did think, here we go. This is the record they needed to make. This is going to happen for Let Live Now. It's actually going to happen. And I don't think I was alone in thinking that. Renfrey, you're with me, aren't you? I think that record's fucking phenomenal. I absolutely adore it. And yes, they had... Um, 
they had sheened off edges but the, the thing is is the more quote-unquote commercial aspects that they were putting in were fucking cool they were just undeniable mm. when you have a front man like jason no I saw them at Brixton Academy supporting yeah. Pierce the Veil. Don't know if you remember Pierce the Veil. That might have, yeah. So they played. They supported Pierce the Veil, who are obviously much more one of those sort of warp tour bands, and um, they were absolutely brilliant. And Jason ran up to the balcony of Brixton Academy and was looking over and was like shouting over the top. And I was like, "It's going to happen!" And then suddenly, from nowhere, they just split up. They just split up and they were gone. But they were replaced by Fever Three Three Three, who released their first album this particular year um gil i asked you to listen to the song inglewood I, by fever 333 did you get a chance to listen to that oh sorry, shit you didn't i, I was gutted um, but, I, but like that. i do have just two more um hot new bands that we were talking about in 2011 uh, uh devon townsend yeah oh what what newbie um yeah. and uh and blaze <laughs> bailey had a tip uh <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> How's he been doing for the last eight years? Oh. Gone big? Supporting Head Sabaton on T4. <laughs> Simon Am still interviewing him. He's not doing yeah. great, mate. Firm cotton's plate. He's not doing too good, man. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> I've got no fucking idea what Blaze Bailey's up to, to be honest with you. I think he's. He's touring as himself. Is he? Okay. He's, he's Doing the old, um, doing the old, um, you know, the, the sort of the, the lucrative pub circuit. Less lucrative of, at the moment. Uh, Northern England, I believe. Pretty so, much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty gutted that you didn't listen to um, Jason's new band, to be honest. Uh, particularly the song Inglewood, which I listened to today just to double check. I think it's probably the worst song of the decade. It's fucking out crap a pile of fucking crap but anyway um there you go renfrey likes it because i i i, really I, know I quite, about pop music <laughs> i quite <laughs> Renfrey I doesn't quite know like anything it. about pop music he quite likes it <laughs> Mate, actually i was gonna i was gonna ask you about this having heard stuff like the hayley williams album now mm. can you now see why inglewood is so bad uh, well i certainly don't think it's the worst song of the decade at all um but, most disappointing uh, well no because i do like it i understand why one would find it disappointing but i like it um inglewood is uh inglewood is not representative of the record as a whole i should say uh but it is definitely mm. the, the the pop moment oh the big pop moment mm. there's one or two on there um you know i can't sit here and say that i go back into to that record all the time i go back to it a bit um but yeah i mean i do miss let live undoubtedly yeah, it's a shame it's a shame about let live um and then well there you go we're up to, to to 2020 and our last album underneath by code orange the third album from the pittsburgh pittsburgh Pitch hardcore Blink. crew yes it is the third album before you start going what about the other i'm not counting the code orange kids stuff released on the 13th of march 2020 my birthday just before lockdown this came out so um little bit of a backstory it's the first album to get 10 out of 10 in hammer for five years one of only two albums in the last decade uh three albums sorry because unto the locust and iron maidens the book of souls were the other two um <laughs> getting five tens all over the gaffer yeah that was me um five k's <laughs> in kerrang five five stars in the guardian a high eight on anthony fantano's the needle drop um pretty much everybody <laughs> loves this apart from mushroom head fans. all 11 of them um, <laughs> 
Gil. They've, they've got oh, a new record I'm out, by the way. Didn't that in the list. Mushroom Head have a new album yeah. out like this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can read yeah. Steve's review in the new Metal Hammer with the one with the Deftones cover on it. Four out of ten, I believe. Mm. Not to spoil it, sorry, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. And then I got a letter shit going, why'd you give it such a low mark? It's just your shitty, stupid opinion. And I was like, no, my opinion would have been one out of ten. I was being very nice, actually. But anyway, <laughs> God. Um, so, Code Orange underneath our last record, it. Gil. Like what do you reckon? Um, I, um, I, put, I put on my, um, the first, the first word I wrote when I was just, you know, writing about Guam, listen to the, the music you told me to listen to. Finally, like some fucking heavy, beat-down, metal, hardcore stuff. It was like Gojira meets Immure. Um, and it's it wasn't sort of... I, I don't feel like it was super uh, futuristic, bearing my 10 years have basically passed, or eight years have passed since I was at Hammer. But um, it was just awesome. It reminded me of like becoming the archetype, um, but it was just pushing that bracket a bit more. It's got all these kind of like digital effects going on that are kind of um, not essential, but kind of cool, uh, keep things um, interesting. There's a bunch of different voices going on as well um, in there, which was awesome. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it was just, he sounds, the singer sounds a lot like Rao from Enter Shikari in, in parts as well. But I just, um, all, all round, um, God, all round, I thought it was an absolute banger. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some very odd things you've put in there. Like really, you don't think it's got Shikari, the beatdown stuff like in here? Uh, those kind of like nice. super yeah. heavy beatdown. I've mean, been I away guess... from it for eight years. You're lucky I didn't say yeah, Iron Maiden. I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I mean, we right, the reason we put this in, even though it's really only been out a few months, because obviously this year's been a bit of a write-off. But for me. Uh, this is, in terms of heavy music, probably since you and I... I mean, there was Let Live and then there's this. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's been... That's that's been it. You know, when we were talking before and I was like, ah, oh, fucking Let Live is incredible. It's the best thing for ages and I hadn't heard. And then there's been a lot of really, really good bands that have come out since. But I'm, I'm trying to... You know, obviously, we're going to be doing our albums of the year come the end of the year. This might get in it. Oh, God. I don't want to spoil it at all. But, I mean, yeah, this album is fucking brilliant. Um, and it's the fact that it's kind of getting embraced. Like, they were going to be playing Coachella. Uh. So, you know, this is... Um, this is should this is should be happening. I mean, this is not quite the same as... You know, we, the, the reason I brought up King 810 earlier is because that got a lot of hype but it couldn't live up to it. And it got so much. I don't feel like Code Orange have, I think the industry's learned its lesson a bit, but I think it has rightly at this point gone. Yeah, we're, we're all fucking so behind. People are really behind Code Orange. Like, uh, you know, the people in the, people you, that you should trust are right <laughs> behind Code Orange. Meaning me. Well, basically. I mean, if, if, if <laughs> they're good live, very much so. Yeah. Then, then, Oh, they are. Fucking amazing. Oh, they are. So oh my God, that. they're good life. Mm. Should be. I mean, I it? can't. I can't imagine. I can't. Short think of a global anything. pandemic could spoil it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. I mean, unfortunately, right after this album came out, the whole fucking lockdown happened, and it's kind of taken. But, but I just think when everything starts back up, the album is so good. 
that yeah. I just can't see how people are going to forget about it. I think that uh, I think unfortunately a few albums might kind of fall by the wayside because of everything that's been going on, but you know this is not going to be one of them it's so far ahead of its time i mean i was re-listening to i've been listening to this record quite a lot this year which probably isn't a massive yeah, I, I didn't have to re-listen to it because i listen to it every week pretty much anyway yeah so. yeah i re-listened to it anyway uh and i was on a bus um and just getting so fidgety and agitated because the music was just moving me and it was it felt like it was pumping chemicals into my body and i just couldn't sit still and i was like ah like coming up on like 200 e's at, at once but i was sober um but that's what this band does to me they do odd things to my body they chemically imbalance me in a way that i fucking love it's i fucking mm. this is a good album i would say and they've got that thing as well i mean i don't know if you've seen pictures of you probably haven't seen pictures of them but they they look fucking mental as well like they look like real big characters and they say shit like they look the like they look in the world. They look like typo negative fucking a cyborg. Yeah, they've got that kind of fear factor, that kind of nineties, like just Brilliant. before new metal went really kind of crazy. Cra- yeah, yeah, went really crazy. They've got the kind of system of a down, early system of a down, typo negative fear factory look yeah. about them. Yeah. And Jamie, their lead singer, says stuff like, "We're the best band in the world. Every other band suck." Like, and just will fucking go. And that attitude you know has as the world has become more like conservative and worried about what people will think about it and don't want to get cancelled and don't want people on the internet saying stuff about them they're a band who will happily go you know this is shit and we're better than them we're the best band around and all of the big 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 bands used to say that you know guns and roses said that metallica said that fucking slipknot said that they all you know they all did they all said it and they are and it's funny as well because they've just premium the horizon have just brought a video out a few days ago for a new song and when we talk about you know at the start of the decade bring me were that's the band to follow they're the leaders code orange's first video from this album the title track came out and it was this like mad sort of cgi fucking thing that was going with all this kind of like flashing lights and horror imagery and everything bring me have brought a video out which it's like they just rummaged through their code orange's bin and got all the kind of footage from <laughs> it, is, it is it is the most disgracefully shameful ripoff of a video that has come only three months before it that i think i've ever seen in my entire life it is wholesale nicked off of code orange and that stuff about i'll oh, bring me are they still the cutting edge of this thing i mean that to me is proof that that baton is been taken out of their hand and handed to Code Orange because even Bring Me the Horizon, the band who at the start of the, all this that we were talking about were the band where everyone looked to that go like, oh, well, if anyone's going to go forward and change things and blah, 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 it's them. They're now copying Code Orange. So there you go. Um, Kiss I Made in System of a Down. We're going to headline Download. Stormzy, Liam Gallagher and Rage the Machine. We're going to headline Reading. Devin Townsend, Behemoth and Judas Priest. 50th anniversary show was going to headline Bloodstock. But obviously none of that happened uh, because the COVID thing happened. And that's where we brought it up to. So there you go. Thanks for coming on, Gil. Any final questions that you want to ask uh, us well, about? Any do do a lightning. I mean, it's been go? three hours, um, which is certainly longer than any dream I've ever had. Um, uh, but... So I just um, uh, a couple of things. So are these things still a thing? Because these were things that were happening. Was 
the new wave of Nuobum. No, okay. No, not really. I can't even Southern think of metal. one of those bands. Mayleen in the Sons of Disaster, he is legend. The Showdown, anyone care? He is le- legend had an album out last year, which everyone, well, I say everyone, a couple of people said was good. But I mean, it's not really. That's not. That's not really a thing anymore, is it? Really? I don't think. I don't think southern metal truly ever totally disappears. I think there's always. It's always on the fringes. But I. But those bands mm. that you named in the main aren't around anymore, as far as I'm aware. Or if they are, they are um, yeah. a band still They're doing gone, almost incessant cover albums. <laughs> yeah mm. quite a lot yeah been quite, quite a lot there's been a fair there's been a fair few yeah i mean i think yeah, particularly during lockdown there's been loads of lockdown covers mm. certainly um, oh thank god prong, prong. did a covers album prong did a covers current. album <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah jesus christ yeah prong weezer. covering bad brains let's not forget weezer. Weezer. oh god Weezer did the worst covered album and, and what's ever made. And, worse than the puddle of mud. And my and my final oh, what's Austin up. Dickinson up to? <laughs> <laughs> he is forming a new band every week and they are opening for somebody on Raw Power at Wembley Arena every week and then they split oh, up. I'm good, I'm glad he's no staying busy. Them. That's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> I liked Austin Dickinson, I mean, he, by the way. I thought he was a lovely bloke. Oh, that sounds like a harsh because yeah, lovely bloke, but he, he was in a band called... Because after Rise to Remain split up, he joined a band called As Lions, and they immediately got, got put on the bottom of the bill of every tour that happened, and no one liked that either. So um, he stopped doing that. Because Rise to Remain were like a sort of metalcore thing, because metalcore was popular at the time. They split up, and that kind of like Death Havana... Well, like sort of, you know, um, Asking Alexandria, more kind of melodic post-Sempaternal stuff. Started happening. So he started doing that. And no one thought he's, that that was very good either. And I think he's prob- probably <laughs> writing an album that sounds like Code Orange as we speak, I imagine. Ah. Well, thank so, you, uh, guys, um, for, for having me on. I hope it's um, it's been bearable for you. It's been a real eye-opener, and it's been hilarious as well. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's... that's- Thank you so much for coming on, man. And thank you for, um, we have, we have, as you rightly said, talked for almost three hours now. So thank you for uh, giving us so much of your time and providing your very, very funny insights at times. This has been an absolute blast. This was a very good idea. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. It's been lovely to chat to you again, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Um, uh, and uh, I know I'm your <laughs> second favourite former podcast host, so I do appreciate you. <laughs> um yeah, and I'll always be the, the, the other woman. Um, that's a joke, by the way. That's definitely not true. Um, and uh, I appreciate that. And, um, mate, my Any most comment on that? Right? Any comment on that, girl? <laughs> yeah. Um, are you going to be, are you going to, do you think you're going to keep your, keep your, your toe in? You've given me a, metal you, scene? No, you give me a couple of good albums. I'll, or is it straight? You know, I'll, I'll play again. And a couple of, and a couple of ideas. Mm. Excellent. But you're not. We're not going to see you down the old. Uh, not going to see you down the crowbar. Is that a thing? Soon, is though. that still there? <laughs> yeah. So crowbar exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Cheers, guys. Lovely. All right, mate. Thanks very much for uh, for coming on. Um, thank you for listening. We appreciate that. This is part of our second birthday celebration. So, 
You know, just thought you'd give you something for free. And it's been right. a bit of a laugh, innit? That's the most important right. thing. Having a right. having a bloody laugh. See you later.